Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome, everyone, to the Island Youth Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me here, as always, is the grumpy old man. He's our NHL analyst and expert, and they say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. How do you bungle the intro? Grumpy, because I saw you rushing doing something, and you threw no, me No, no, how did you bungle the intro? It's so <laughs> simple. A monkey could do it, and you are unable to pull it off. I've got to keep you on your toes, Scrumpy. Hi, my name is TJ, and with me again, as always, duh, what am I supposed to say next? Is that, oh, I don't have a southern accent like that, Grumpy, and that was, I think, a poor mischaracterization. That being said, we do have special guest on the show, Coach Tommy B from the Drive for Five. How are you doing there, Coach Tommy B? Uh, doing great tonight. Great to be on here with you boys, and uh, looking forward to uh, talking about our disappointing New York Islanders tonight. Oh, yes. Yeah, today is a little different. I know usually we go live during the games. That being said, we're on a West Coast trip, ladies and gentlemen. So the game doesn't start till 1030 Eastern Standard Time. But, you know, we're still going to provide, you know, the context there in the podcast format. We're just going to be cutting the podcast before the game starts. So we everybody has a chance to get all nice and comfy, has a chance to use restroom and be ready for tonight's game because it's a big game against the Vancouver Canucks. Every game's a big game because you never know how many are left in the season. Um, that being said, I, uh, Coach, I, can, I can tell you how many games are left in the season. It's 43. Oh, yes. okay, Grumpy. That's when the regular season ends. That'll be the end of our season. Oh, yeah. Now, TJ, before we go too far, what do people need to do? If they yes, listen if, to if you're new to the channel, welcome. We invite you to stick around a while. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and follow on Twitter at the Islanders Never Say Die. Um, and again, you can find us in all those places. We cover games live. We go live every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also have a secondary podcast called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. We go live every Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and every Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's a little bit more of a laid-back podcast where we just talk sports and shoot the shit. Thanks for reminding me, though, Grumpy, as always. No um, problem. And also, like, if you're doing the YouTube thing, make sure you hit the like thing, thumbs up, because it helps the algorithm. We want to bring more viewers to listen to me in particular and TJ. Oh, that's what it all is, right, Grumpy? It's all about the grumpy old man. That being said, there's a lot to talk about regarding Islander news today. Austin Zarnak being waived. We've got Robin Sallow sent down to Bridgeport. Before we jump too hard and heavy into some Islanders talk, I know that I know that Coach Tommy B has a fundraiser that he wanted to go ahead and mention off the top, and I wanted to give him some time here to, to speak about it. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate that. And uh, for many of you Islander fans out there, NHL fans out there, you have seen at Islander games uh, – 
a very special young lady holding up a sign about uh, eating a kidney. And that's uh, Madison Sanalitro. And I want to let you all know that uh, many of the Great Islander groups are coming together on Saturday, February 19th, and run by Jennifer Latini at Coasters Tavern, 487 Newbridge Road in East Meadow. And we're going to have, we're going to try and get awareness to help find Madison that kidney. And we're also going to do some organ donor awareness because Jennifer Latini herself is a heart recipient. And we're all going to get out there together and we're going to have some fun with some auctions and some raffles. And uh, no hockey, you're just getting Islanders community together to support Madison. She will be there. So let's find Madison a kidney. Well, absolutely. Are always... you going to be there, Tommy? Yes, I will. Okay. So everyone show up, even though Tommy's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I soon as Grumpy was asking something like that, I knew there was some snide remark coming at the end of that, that statement. I can almost write it down, Grumpy. It can read you like a comic book, Grumpy old man. Now you're going to use my own lines against me, really? Uh, I you don't use that. If you're going to if you're going to say a line, make sure you say our NHL analyst and expert, the Grumpy old man. There's uh, no shame in his game because he's always the same. Maybe that's the line that you should copy from me. Oh, good gracious, good gracious. Well, there are two big news items that occurred today, um, or I guess one happened yesterday. We'll cover that one first. Austin Zarnak has been claimed by the Seattle Kraken. I think, was it? Yeah, I don't know. The days are running long. Maybe it was yesterday. Austin Sarnak was waived by the New York Islanders. He was activated off the IR, and they would need an extra roster spot. And instead of, you know, waving and sending down uh, a Ross Johnston and Matt Martin, uh, Casey Zizekas, uh, Kiefer Bellows, you know, the list goes on and on. They determined to go ahead and waive Austin Sarnak, who was picked up and claimed by the Seattle Kraken. Want to get initial reactions from both Grumpy Old Man and Coach Tommy B. Go ahead, Tommy. I'll let you take this first. Um, my, my initial reaction was I was honestly a little disappointed. In it. I, I like the way that Austin has played when he's been called upon to play here. He has shown a lot of fire, a lot of energy. He's uh, Honestly, he's got one more goal total than Kyle Palmieri. And I thought he's helped with penalty killing. He's a good guy to fill in at center when you need him. Um, look, I understand how the rosters work, and I get the roster move. Uh, the, my, my issue with this one was that why didn't they just keep him on IR? They could have kept him on IR longer to protect him. I do assume they they shopped him around. I'm sure he didn't have much value out there. Um, but I was I'm definitely a little disappointed to lose him. I, I do understand he's a spare part, but he was a spare part that I liked. And I, I I don't understand how it was handled. It doesn't make any sense to me that they would not have at least left him on IR for a while. Because if somebody else got hurt, they could have obviously put that person on IR and taken Austin off it. So I just it bought really them more time, at least to the possible trade deadline, where you're going to have more open spots possibly free up if we're going to be a seller at the deadline. No, and I, I understand that too, Coach Tommy. But Grumpy, I want to let you have a chance to also respond about initial reaction to Austin Zarnak being waived and then claimed by the crack by the Kraken. Well, uh, maybe the Islanders did him a favor. They let him go and he went to a better team. Um, you know, let's be honest, Seattle destroyed us just last week. Obviously, they were impressed with him sitting on the bench, so uh, they thought he would be a good pickup. But I'm just wondering why it was necessary to waive him when you maybe could have waived, I don't know, any of the handful of players that he's outperformed this year, like Casey Zizekas or Matt Martin or just, you know, take your pick, right? And if they didn't want to go down to, well, let's say if Casey's offended, oh, well, I'm not going down to the minors. Well, tough shit. I mean, play better. I, I, I just, I'm just not a big believer in 
just because somebody signed a long-term contract means that he doesn't have to perform or that he's immune to waivers. I mean, I know he did it with Comrov numerous times last year. So, you know, I, they, I thought there were other ways around it. I thought that Jarnak, for a mere pittance of the price and term, could easily replace what Casey Zekas or Matt Martin brings to the table at this point in time. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with the premise. You know, here's the thing. And I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but it is worth mentioning, right? Austin Zarnak is not the answer to any of these items. You know, he's not the answer to our offensive woes. I know he's been putting up what five points in nine games or whatever it was, uh, five points in eleven games. I can't recall. He's not the answer to our offensive issues. He was a guy that I thought performed valiantly and played very well when he was given time on ice. And, you know, we talked about how this season a lot of players have underperformed what their benchmarks has been in the past. And now we've got a situation with Austin Zarnak who's played well and performed well. And he's a guy just because, again, he wasn't penciled in going into camp as a starter. He gets a little bit of, you know, a less, lesser of a chance. And, hey, he gets waived and, and other teams noticed there might be some potential for a guy like that to, to fill in a slot of a bottom six role. And when I see the performance that Austin Zarnak has shown this year, and I'll be interested to see how he does in Seattle, but when I see the performance that he had this season, it reminds me that, you do not have to be so dependent and reliant to re-signing back fourth-line players. They're a dime a dozen. Austin Zarnak had essentially no role for the Islanders last year, and this year he, you know, he he, he performed valiantly, performed well. It shows us we didn't need to sign back Casey Zizekas to a six-year deal. We didn't need to. I mean, we don't need to sign back Cal Clutterbuck. There are players like your Austin Zarnaks that are out there on a cheap, manageable deal that you could slide in for a year or two. We don't have to re-sign back Cal Clutterbuck this offseason. Yeah, that's true. We didn't need to re-sign Matt Martin. Uh, didn't need to sign Zach Parise, even though he's certainly proved himself worth, worth to be the 750000 that he's getting paid. Of course, we don't know the bonuses. Uh, we'll find out that out at the end of the year. But once again, you say Arson Jarnak is not part of the solution. Well, you know what? If you want to get younger in your bottom six, I don't know. Well, he's not that young, but he's, he's certainly. Okay. He's but, okay. But what I'm saying is he could have replaced one of the older guys at, for a mere pittance. And then your salary cap issues are a little bit alleviated, right? I mean, just think about how much money our bottom six makes if Oliver Wallstrom plays where he's supposed to play. And you have a guy like Bailey, Palmieri, who haven't performed at all and really don't deserve top six minutes if they're playing in your bottom six. I mean, those are the type of guys that I'm rolling the dice and putting on waivers. Would somebody pick them up? So what? They're not producing anyway. I have no problem with that. Same reason I had no problem when Everly went in the expansion draft. Like I said, I'm not going to be one of those hindsight being 2020 guys because for me, yeah, Everly got picked. Even shitty teams have to have goal scorers, and that's the role he's filled for Seattle this year. Would he have had those numbers for the Islanders? No. But I think what you found was that he had the chemistry with Matt Barzell that's clearly been lacking this year. I want to let me also have a chance to respond to that too. Well, first off, with you know when you when you're talking about the fourth line, all right. Now the fourth line became, you know, something very special here on Long Island. You know, and then normally fourth lines are not made out to be that way. I know you both of you gentlemen know that. Uh, the energy line, the identity line, MC threat, MC squared, whatever you wanted to call it through the years. Uh, the Clutterbuck-Martin-Zazikas combination did bring it most nights. They did bring energy to the team. 
and they were an asset to this team for many, 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 many years. And that asset right now is not what it was. It's not even close to what it was. I still like Cases Azekas. I still think Cases Azekas is an energy guy who goes out and gives it his effort almost every single night, and I like him on the team. Um, I thought Clutterbuck has had a, has had a decent season. Um, I thought he was a lot better earlier, but I think he's actually had a decent season. Matt Martin, I thought, has had an abysmal season. And but fourth line players are what they are, and we and usually the object of your fourth line is to provide guys that do add energy, a little physicality, and usually a player or two on that line might fill in on a penalty killing spot or a power play spot because they're not guys getting the type of minutes that our fourth line guys get. Yeah. And I this is my biggest problem with the Islanders right now is they have to let go of this because this is not the energy line anymore. It's not. And they have to get that in their heads that they have to go back to a more normal style team and where the fourth line is not as significant. You can't spend this type of money on the fourth line. I agree. And 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 it, and that's I know we taught and Grumpy you got that smile on your face. What are you smiling for, Grumpy? Everyone comes around to my way of thinking eventually. Everyone is, is does. It, Tommy has it? come around to my way of thinking. You remember <laughs> earlier in the season? No, 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 Grumpy old man. No, no, no. Just a little retool. Guess what, Tommy? Are you really are you willing oh, to embrace, no, no, uh, embrace the rebuild? Hey, hold on, Grumpy. Don't jump the gun. Don't, I don't know. I don't talked about the these things Still during the offseason. I talked about it. It was so obvious. Like I said, I am the curve. All right? Eventually, everybody catches up. That's nothing against you, Tommy. It's more of a slam at TJ because he's buying into the same thing. I almost don't even have to say anything anymore because everyone is now preaching what I have brought to everyone's attention for the last year. Well, let's let's get back on top. Why, why don't we get why don't we get back on target and finish up the cases or the the Austin Zarnak, and then we're going to talk about Robin Sal, and then we could talk okay. about items going forward. Okay. It's just normal okay. progression. Austin Zarnak. Um, end of the day, it doesn't matter that he's not on the team anymore. That's correct. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's I, a I'm bottom six guy. I, we have a billion of them. I'm more talking about the mentality of the team. Right, we talk. We've been talking about this, and most people see the same way. I wonder if management, in general, manager sees it the same way that us, myself, yourself, Coach Tommy B, and I think most fans do. When we see a guy like an Austin Zarnak who has performed, performed better than anybody really had expected this season, and we don't have enough roster space available, and we have to waive him, and somebody gets a guy again on a one-year deal on a cheap item, and we think to ourselves, we've got guys. I mean. Matt Martin's still locked in after this year. I mean, what, has he got two years left on that contract? Casey Zekas has another five years left on his contract after this season. And you just think to yourself, are we going to see that same exact habitual offense of re-signing back some players who are not deserving of these long contracts because of prior performances and not looking forward to possibly jettisoning in some other faces into the lineup? That's more what I'm talking about, Grumpy. And that's what I want to build towards. And building is that an issue? Will the general manager, will management on this team start to see things a little differently when they see a guy like Austin? Zarnak, who has performed this year, they have to let go when he gets he gets claimed by another team because we don't have enough spots. We've well, got too many bottom six guys tied up with too much money. We have uh, most of our top six is the same way. They make too much money and they don't produce. It's the same thing. Austin John, I like I said, who cares? He's a bottom six guy. There's a million of them out there. You can get. What did I say earlier this year? Who should they we matter. have signed for a fourth line center? Who's the guy who I preached we should have signed for a fourth line center? Remember? Eric Holland. 
Eric Howler. How's yeah. he doing in Boston? He's a second line guy now. I mean, he's putting points up. He's a better player than Casey Zekas. Two years, less money. Why don't you take a role at somebody like that instead of just playing, well, Casey, you've been a favorite on this team forever and ever and ever. And, you know, we want to reward you, give you the gold watch contract. It just doesn't work like that. It shouldn't work. And here's the thing. You're complaining about Matt Martin and Casey Zekas. Those are all self-inflicted gunshot wounds by Lou Lamarillo, both of them. But here's the thing, right? This offseason won't be as bad. Why? I think all we have is Cal Clutterbuck. And honestly, I cannot see them resigning Cal Clutterbuck. I, I can't see us not selling him at the trade yeah, deadline. Okay. I mean, I've already broke down my cap space, what they can get rid of, what they can't get rid of. I, I already have that already done. And I, and I never do that midway through a season, by the way. That's rare that I'm already looking at that stuff. But as far as I agree, I think Cal, you know, this is what Lou's going to do, by the way. I'm going to explain this to both of you, and let's get off of Zarnak for a second. Zidane O'Chara, Andy Green, Cal Clutterbuck, Zach Parisi. He's going to go to them and give them the option, which, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't do. I know he respects these guys. He's going to ask them, do you want to be traded to a contender or do you want to stay here? That's what he's going to do, I promise you. And he's going to give them the option whether they want to be dealt. Now, I think Clutterbuck being the competitor he is, is going to want to go somewhere and try to win the Stanley Cup. That, that's my personal belief about Clutterbuck and Parisi. I think they will both do that. I don't know about the other two. I don't know if the other two are just going to want to go up and finish the season here or go up into the sunset and retire. But, you know, he's going to actually give these players the option. I'm telling you now. Now, what are you going to get for these guys? You know, what's Clutterbuck and Parisi worth? The fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick? Clutter, I think, has a chance to probably get you. I mean, absolute maximum a third round pick. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. it could happen. I've look, I've seen guys get third round picks that I've been shocked at. He's he's a grit. He's he's got grit. He number one, he's a gritty player. You can retain even if a. If, I mean, think about it. You can retain half his cap hit on a team that may be cap strapped because we're going to have so much cap available for the remainder of this season. Yes. We have flexibility to do things like that and say, here's Cal Clutterbuck at one point, whatever, and now you can roll him out in a third or fourth line to give you a little extra energy. I can see he's that. Good on, and he's good on the PK, so yeah. that that's a valuable asset for, for a team trying to win a cup. I think Parisi and Clutterbuck have value. To definitely have value to teams that want to win the cup. Um, you know, I mean, Chara, I thought, has played better in the second half of the season so far. The first half of the season was awful. I think Chara has improved a lot. Will he want to go somewhere? I, actually, I think he would, too. I think Andy Green's going to be the guy who's like, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to retire and, and, and end my career here. That's what I think Andy Green will do, personally. Thanks just, so much, Andy Green. But I, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You can get us a seventh round pick. So thank you so much for your time and service. You can go ahead and not dress or just end your career how you want to. I, I come on, seventh round pick is seventh round pick. Sorry, man. <laughs> he understands his business. Simple as that. He's also like a, you know, is one of those players when you look down the line, he's like a suit, he's like a son to Lou. You know, he's been, you know, he he groomed him, he brought him up, you know, that's why he brought him back here. And I give Grandy Green credit. He played well. When we traded for him, he played well last year. This year, he's been a shell of himself. He's been an absolute shell of himself. And I, I, I would rather have Robin Sallow in the lineup playing and developing um, than having Andy Green out there at this time. I understand why they're doing it, but I would rather have Robin Sallow in the lineup. I think both of you would rather have Robin Sallow in the lineup also. Yeah, I, that's that's another thing too. Robin Sallow, um, he's sent down to Bridgeport because they go ahead and activate Sebastian Ajo 
And now Robin Sallow is going to be down there in Bridgeport, Grumpy. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that. What was he learning sitting on the bench in the NHL? If you're not going to play him, send him down to Bridgeport. Let him play in every situation, 20, 22, 23 minutes a night. Let him play penalty kill. Let him play power play. Let him do everything. I don't have a problem with that if you're not going to play him at the NHL. That said, yes. I said, even though I didn't think, I don't think he's been great, particularly defensively this year. I think he's taken a step back as his amount of time on, uh, as his, the games increased for him. But I said, I don't mind going through the growing pains, having him up, particularly since the season's over, right? Why not let him learn at the NHL level, the speed of the game, the players that he's going to have to go against. They don't want to do that right now. They want to wait till the deadline. Fine. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I we're going to get to a time a time period when when right the trade deadline grows near. We're going to be selling off assets because that's what we need to do. We need to be a seller at the deadline. We need to see a large emphasis on some of the guys that are you know kind of up there. You know, a little over over age there for the A. You know, they're twenty three, twenty four years old, right? They should be able to maybe start making a, a transition to a next step if they do have the ability to do so, right? We need to see guys getting a more of a chance, like your Otto Koivu. Is your Kiefer Bellows need to play in every situation. Your Robin Sallows need to play in every situation. Your 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 Simon Holmstroms need to be given a chance to see what he might be able to bring to the table, right? Especially if the season's a lost cause and the season's over, we need to see what we do have and whether players, if they are ready, could they contribute next year or how close, if they could even be an answer. Yeah, I've been talking about that for months and months and months. Um, now, I just want to hit on one thing that Tommy mentioned. You know, Maybe Lou should go talk to some of the other fat cats on this roster, Kyle Palmieri or Josh Bailey or Anders Lee or any of them. I know they have no oh. trade contract. I know. I got it. I got yeah, it. At least tradable. Uh, but I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. let's say you go, you can go to any of these guys and say, hey, we're rebuilding. We want to, for all your service, we want to reward you. Uh, would you be willing to trade? There's nothing wrong with asking the question. And if Anders Lee says, I'm all for moving, I'm, I'm cool, then you put him on the block. You do can you let go up, in. Do you wake up from that dream after that? Do you wake up from the I'm dream just, after I'm that? Saying, I'm, I'm going to help him out with this in a second. But. There's nothing wrong with asking the question to see if guys might want to have a different situation. Nothing wrong with that. Because, like I said, I feel, I truly feel we're in rebuild stage now. Team's not getting any better. You're not going to see the guys who are in their 30s all of a sudden drinking from the fountain of youth and getting better next year. Not going to happen. So you heard that here first. And here's the thing. So next year, Tommy, when you come back on the show and you see the Islanders suck, and then you're going to say, yes, it's time to <laughs> rebuild. Don't even know we're doing just this all that, season yet. Just know that today was the day. Oh, man, I I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to give you some of my retool ideas tonight on the show, I guess, if we're going to do this. But yeah. first off, what he brings up. Okay, now, Josh Bailey is very tradable and has very, very little. In fact, I don't think he has any no-trade protection left in the last two years of his deal. So I can definitely see him being traded. In the Look, they exposed him in the expansion draft, which tells you they are willing to move him. Okay? I don't think he'll be gone by March 21st. I think he will finish the season out here. But I don't think I think there's a, a strong possibility they could dump him off for a mid-round pick and just say take his money. And that you money think he's got that much value. Well, I think you can get a fourth-round pick for him. 
two years, five million. He's still a he's still a good assist man to a lot of people out there. And there are teams that actually do like him. So you know, if he fits their system right, you know, they'll go get him. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that won't be interested in him either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's true. That, that's a guy you can move. It's true. Uh, there are teams that like him. Like Mars has just started a new league. They don't know anything about Josh Bailey. They're willing to take him. But on a serious front. Arizona is open for business and says they're willing to take on salary. I mean, that's why I'm saying, you know what? You never know what you get. There's nothing wrong with posing a question. I understand, Tommy, what you're going to say. No move clause, no trade clause, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with asking the players. Tell them the direction that the team is, you know, hey, we're going in a different direction. It's, we're going we're gonna to have high skating, uh, up-tempo team. That's what we're looking to build. You're not part of that. Um, but we want to respect that what you've done here. We want to give you the option if you want to move. That's all. There's nothing wrong with asking the question. When do you let Barry Trotz know that he's no longer part if you're going to switch to a high tempo? I would have, I would have already told him. Uh, uh, he's uh, coming uh, back. Uh, often. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, he's about coming that. back. I know. We'll we'll talk about that. But I, I, I want to. I want to. I want to be a guy here for a minute. I'm going to go ask Kyle Palmieri. Hey, Kyle. You know, we're going to go in the direction we want to trade you. And I'm, I'm Kyle. Palmieri, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you going. I was born and raised here. I just bought my house here. I set I my family back up here. He, but he's got a full no trade the first two years. He can tell you go, you know, you go. You know, what minors? Couldn't you send him down to the minors? They, they, of course, they can put him through waivers and send him down, and they'll save one point two four or one point two five million, something to that effect, uh, of his five million dollars. And then Bye-bye. yes, they can certainly do that. Now, my better, my better idea for him next season is let him grow his beard and see what happens. That's not happening. That's never happening. I Kyle Palmieri. I don't care if he's been here long term. I don't. I don't. Or I don't care if he grew up on the island. I don't care what you did. I mean, he played well in the playoffs. I get it. But I mean, in the regular season, both last year and this year, it's been woeful and underwhelming. Um, you know, if he, he you're not you're not gonna be able to move him. Well, that's that's one of those things, right? Lou gives out full no trade clauses like candy and modified no move clauses more than I think any other general manager in the NHL does. Again, I'm pontificating. Maybe other people do, but he gives them out to about every single individual he signs. So if if it's on a long-term contract, he'll give them, hey, full no trade, this, that. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's, you're not going to be able to move Kyle Palmieri. You're not going to be able to move. And here's the thing. Kyle Palmieri is what he is. And I think you're about to see – we pay Kyle Palmieri the same exact that we pay Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Both of those players are way past their peak. Simple as that. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, we've seen a serious decline off his game this year. He's a small-bodied individual that plays like the Energizer Bunny. He plays that high, up-tempo style. And he plays. He played a lot of hard minutes out there. Wouldn't shock me at all if he's on the tail end of his career only at the age of 29 years old. Yeah, so see, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, see, that's right, Tommy. The difference between you and I, TJ, I'm willing to give him another year. Thank you. Now, Kyle Palmieri, absolutely freaking not. I've never, been, I've never been a fan of giving and, and, and saying, hey, third-line center, we need to pay you $5 million a year. We need you to play this. We need you to play that role. It's it's because we have that mindset of we have to have production out of all four lines or close to equal production. That's why, again, we've, I think, been somewhat success. We've been successful in playoffs, not all due to that to that factor. I think it's helped us out, certainly, at times. But it's also been sometimes our Achilles heel. But, but see, that's that's the problem. You say, well, we need all four lines to score. It's because that's the type of talent you bring into the organization where you spread it out. Instead of loading up on your top two lines and letting uh, younger players, hungry players, uh, 
fill out your third and fourth lines. I mean, look at who's on our first two lines. Are they top six <laughs> players? Any of them, except for one guy? No, none of them are. But here's the thing. You know, you mentioned about the no-move clause. He gives no trade and no-move clauses to guys that no one wants. Leo Komarov had a no-trade and a no-move clause. I mean, did he even have a market? Did Kyle Palmieri have that much of a market? I mean, why are you giving away no-trade? Okay, Anders Lee? What market was there for Anders Lee? You were trying to tell me anyone was going to outbid us for a guy who's 29 years old for seven years, seven million per. I'm just calling horseshit on that. He had a market. I'm, I'm promising he had one. Bye bye. But he, he, he wanted to come get this straight. He wants to stay here. He wanted to be an Islander. He's a proud captain. He does a very good job with that team in the dressing room. And he and again, he serves his purpose in front of the net. Is is he gonna be your your great two way winger? No. Is is he really a first liner? No, he's not. I, he's really, he's a, he's, I, I still give him credit as a second. I still give him a second line. I do. I think he's a second liner. Borderline. Okay. Borderline. Brock Nelson is a second line center and a good one. Okay. It's, it's, it's everything after that, you know, after Barzell. I mean, Bavillier has not stepped up into the, into the role that he should be able to play. And I don't know why it's hard for me to understand why. Bailey is declining. We see it, and he'd be he'd be a good player on the third line. He'd serve as well on the third line, but he's no longer a top six guy. It, it's you know, and this is what happens. You get older, you play a lot of games, your body gets beat up, you slow down. That's hockey. It's a nasty sport. I'm just you know, going to say that these players are lucky. This isn't the NFL because all their contracts would have been freaking terminated because the money's not yeah. guaranteed. They'd all be gone. Every single one of them would be gone. No, Lee is not. Uh, Lee's another one that if you go to him, he's he's not he's not going anywhere. That's fine, that, but but you know what? There's no harm in asking. There's no harm in asking. You can. I, I hate when you scoff like that. Grumpy, grumpy. You know what it would be? You know what? On it. Let me try to make an apples to apples freaking comparison for you. It would be like going up to Matt Barzal saying, "Hey, Matt. You know, I, hey, I I know we struggled this year, and I know you've got a year left until I'm restricted or oh my restricted God, free agents." I hate, when he, I hate I mean, when he tries to tell stories because they always suck. You know what? <laughs> Why don't you spit out what you actually want to say? Uh, hey, Matt Barzal, do you want to sign an eight-year contract for six million per? I know you struggled this year, or seven million per. I know you struggled this year. You're only on pace to hit sixty points. I know you're maybe the best player on the team. You're not scoring a lot of points. You want to? Do you want to maybe entertain a six? Dude, it's just it's stupid, Grumpy. It's he wants nine to ten. Uh, he wants nine to ten, and they're going to end up giving it to him. They should. Uh, and and I'm telling you something right now. There's going to be a captain's transition coming. Thank okay, God. I'm just warning eye on the fans of this that they have. I I have known this for a while. They have always seen Barzell as the future captain in the face of this team. Best player okay. of the team gets a captain. Anders Lee is going to have to be willing to give up that C within the next about two years to satisfy Matt staying here, and for Matt to be the complete guy that goes on the billboard for this team. And who knows how he's going to take to that? That that might make him leave. Well, you know what? Give him, Take give the him C away from him now. <laughs> Say, we're, we're stripping you with a C. <laughs> if that's going to make him upset and leave, I would do that Im immediately. But I, it's, I, I don't know. It, what, grumpy, I, when you say that freaking Anders Lee might say, oh, yeah, sounds great. What team that's a competitor 
would want a guy who's now 30, what is he, 31, 32 years old, that has five years left on his contract, and he doesn't skate well, and he's got a $7 million cap at every year. What contender would you be able to sell Anders Lee to? Okay, all I'm saying is you ask the question. I asked you, work on would you like part? to leave where you were drafted, and would you like this. to go to a team that's worse than ours? Anders Lee can serve a purpose on a on a winning team here, no yeah. doubt, if he's used correctly. That's right. And if you're asking him right now anymore to be a first line guy at those minutes and be on Barzell's line, um, it's it's going to be tough for him now. And we don't know the effect of that knee injury, by the way. We don't know how much that's how much how well he's come back from it. And there's a lot of guys who don't come back welcome until the second year, not the first year. He's so not we, even, back. you know, look when guys hurt their knees and they, they hurt parts of their bodies like that, and they have major surgeries. A lot of times, it takes multi years for them to get back to who they were. Well, but he can serve a purpose on this team as a leader and help this team win. But they have to; they've got to learn this. The first line has to be scary to the other teams. They've got to fear your first line, and if they don't fear your first line, you got a problem. Well, look at who's playing on his wings. About Barzell's wings, and to me, Tommy, I'm going to let I'm going to let you answer this question for me. He looks disinterested and disgusted right now, Matt Barzell. In my opinion, I, I I wouldn't I don't think it's that. I think he's more frustrated than he is disinterested. I think Barzell's got great heart. I think Barzell is, is he's got a lot of desire in him, and he wants to be the leader of a championship team, and he loves it here on Long Island, but. He they can't. You know, Tavares had in some in some ways Tavares had better wingers at certain points. He had Thomas Vanek. Thomas Vanek was a legitimate scorer. Yep, he was. All right. Has has at any point Matt Barzell had that legitimate legitimate scorer? You know, other than I, than I yeah, I think Anders Lee's a twenty five to thirty goal guy. If you just stand him in front of that, look, Anders Lee would benefit on the first one if they had a great right winger. Right. If they had a great right, right winger with Barzell. Lee would score 35 goals just sitting there tapping bucks in. We've, we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast. It's why, why not put Oliver Wallstrom on the right wing on the first line? He needs a sniper. That's what he needs, Barzell. And I just, you know, you listen to Barry and his rambling insanity when he talks in the, you know, why this guy won't work, why this guy here won't work on it. Dude, you don't even give him shots. I mean, that's the frustrating thing for me. You just want to keep on doing a shampoo loot thing, just wash, rinse, repeat the same thing over and over again. You expect different results. You're a fool. Why is why has Wallstrom not gotten a shot on that first line? I mean, I think it would help out uh, that totem pole who stands in front of the net because he doesn't do anything else well, nothing else. Like uh, I call him Average Anders. He's below Average Anders, Anders now. Ooh, hold on. I'm going to tell you. I saw my name in there. How come you blow right in comments and have my name on them? Guess what, Grumpy? We were on a two-hour constraint, and we were going to have comments, and we got a lot to talk about. So we won't get to read every comment, Grump, but I'm going to need you to put the focus hat on, Grumpy. We're going to focus yeah. on, on the content we're providing. Watch, watch how fast we go through the ones that say G-O-M on there. Quick, 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 quick. If it says anything good about G-O-M, and I see, like, let me just go ahead and do a, 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 a control F, and it says G-O-M, and if there's anything good on there, I just happen to miss them. I'll lose the comment. How about that for you? Make sure anything that's from... Isles misery rated R. Make sure you delete those out too. Oh, there it is. Those are my friends. They're my people. <laughs> there right. it is. Oh man. Now, I got a question for you now. If if they if Lou would, would listen, read my mailbox of what I sent him for next season, 
and he does what I, now I would trade Bailey and Valamov and get rid of that ten million dollars, and I can bring a guy back like Thomas Grice, to, who's a free agent, to back up Sorokin, and he's a. I think that's a good fit. Grice loved it here. He was loved by the fans. You can bring him back for half the price of Ali, saves you some cap space, and I'm going to take that freaking money and I'm going to sign Johnny Goudreau. I'm going to give Even him what Johnny Goudreau would be interested. Uh, and that's East that's Coast. He, he wants to play. He wants to play East Coast. He, he's fine with Flyers. Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Penguins. Those are the five teams he wants to play for. Do you think so, he wants to play for Barry Trotz, though? He would do it. You, you put him at Barzell and Wallstrom on the first line. You tell me what you have there. I think you have a line now that you're going to try to go ahead and jam. You know, we're going to we're going to ask now Johnny Goudreau to play. We need you to play more of a 200 foot game. I don't care if you scored three goals and a hat trick for us. You're out there for two goals against, and one of them you you kind of made a turnover in neutral zone and forced the goal against. Let the other three shoot do that. out. He would get his ass chewed out. I, I'm let, just saying. Let the other three lines do that. Let okay. Well, I wish. Do. That's what I wish Barry Trotz would incorporate. Yes, but, he but that's not what Barry does. You know that's not what he does. I he wish he would. He would be the first guy to sit, Oliver Wallstrom. <laughs> He'll be the first one to sit. Well, hang on a minute. You have Goudreau and Barzell on the same line. Is the other team, team going to touch the puck? I'm just saying. Are, I don't. Are they, are they going to touch the puck? Well, uh, probably because Matty B will turn it over at the blue line. Once in a so, while he will. But my whole thing is I just don't think that anybody who's a scorer is going to want to come to the Islanders and go, yeah, this team averages under two goals a game or 2.2 goals a game. No. I'm not. And here's the thing. We're not winning now either. You realize we have not I'm signed. Give him the money. You realize we the have caps not. caps going to go up in two years. Give him the money. But you realize that we have never signed a high-level free agent ever. Andrew Ladd was the only one. I know. I just, I, just, I just don't think if, if I'm an offensive player, I'm never signing up for, with Barry Trotz as coach. But like I said, maybe we just ba-boom, blow him out of the water. I know he's going to be here next year, but I just think there's, you're just asking for more of the same. That's all. Did you read the New York Post article today? Uh, yeah, I glanced at it. Why don't you tell us what it's in it, Grumpy? Why don't you well, tell geez. us? Because – I know. Here's the thing, Grumpy. Here's the thing, Grump. I believe that you can go ahead and introduce a topic that you you're passionate about. And I want you to do it, Grumpy. I believe in you, man. All right, hold on. I got to pull up because I got to read it. Oh I no, 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 no. I don't want oh, you. Oh to no. So, okay. So so article so for us. So if it's not you doing it the way you think it should be done, I'm not allowed to do it. Is that correct? I want to make Welcome sure. Welcome to this evening's episode of reading news articles with the Grumpy Old Man. Okay, here we go. Here's Special guest Tommy B on here. <laughs> Stop. I, I, I got the gist of it, Grump. I got the gist of it. And why don't you talk <laughs> about the few main points that you wanted to cover from that article? Everything is under examination for the Islanders at the moment. Everything. Okay, I got it. That's the title. That was the title, I believe. Including Barry. Hey, D-Cut. So nice to see you back. I was worrying about you. Wham! Bye-bye, D-Cut. Don't worry about it. Holy shit, pay attention to what you're talking about for the fifth time. And according to Barry Trotz, that includes his own decision-making. I just find it funny if we're looking. It's time for self-reflection. These are the type of things I've been saying about Barry for a while now. Maybe he started listening to the podcast on a more regular basis because he's trying to alter his views. Or maybe he's um, been losing a lot of games and they've been struggling against some of the worst teams. in the, they, I mean, that. You look at that loss they had against Seattle, right? That should always lead you to a point of introspection and say, I got to look inside. I got to see what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, he's never said that here. I give guys opportunities all the time. All the time, he says. All the time. 
some guys I've given an opportunity and they've let me down. They've let Barry down. I've stuck with them because of what they've done in the past. And sometimes I have a quick finger on certain things. Okay. So what do you think he's saying? We got it. We got it. You could just said grumpy. See, I don't know why. Thinking. I don't know why you say I'm allowed to bring up a certain thing on a podcast, and then every time I say something, you're shooting me down. <laughs> I, you, have you noticed that, Tommy? You see what I'm saying, right? He doesn't even. I, I don't like the way you, I, I wanted it. You. Doesn't like the way I say it. I, all, all I wanted you to do was give me the synopsis. I read. I read. Give I don't like to give a synopsis. I'm going to give you the facts as it's written. I'm a professional, not like you. Ah, there it is. He's saying that. Okay, I uh, and and maybe another reason I'm shooting you off is because when I hear that, I just think bullshit. <laughs> I just I just don't believe a word he's saying. Maybe he thinks that, but I mean, you know, he's he's an old dog. You don't teach old dogs new tricks. Yeah, has he been riding with the veterans that have you know have not performed well this year and not giving guys who have had the hot hand and not giving them a chance to continue to run with it? Yeah, but he's done that every freaking stop he's ever been at a head coach. Did it in Nashville? Did it in Washington towards the end? And guess what? He's doing it here now. So when I hear that, I just think to myself, I'm like, uh, you maybe think that could happen. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry I brought the point up. I realized it was a waste. I won't do that again. No, that's not what I'm saying. You, do don't worry. Really, it's, do you don't really, worry. Everything do will you be really believe that he, to do. do you really believe that, Grumpy? I'm just saying what he said. Well, I want you to weigh in on what you believe. I want to hear what the Tommy B believes in that. And do you think? Do you believe in those comments that he made? Um, look, I, I, it's kind of hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, we all know that that saying, especially a coach that's been coaching for th almost three decades. So, you know, do I, do I believe that he's upset about the season? Yes, I do. Do I believe he probably feels that, yeah, I've made some mistakes here. I think he actually does believe that, but if you're going to get him to change his ways, it's going to be, it's going to have to be a humbling experience, which means they're going to have to get destroyed the rest of the season. Um, for him to go, to go, wow, I really got to change a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, I, I, I think Barry's under a lot of pressure right now, more than we all realize. Um, obviously, he's had a rough year. I mean, you know, he didn't, you know, he lost his mother. I mean, that, that's difficult in itself. But I think for Barry, I, I think he probably does realize that, contra, you know, he is replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. That's the deal in, in pro sports. Everyone's replaceable. And Lou is not a young man. And Lou wants a championship. I promise you he wants one. If he, if he does an analysis at the end of the season and decides, and there's a battle. I told you this earlier in the, in the show I did a couple of months with you. If a battle happens between Barzell and Trotz, Barzell will win that battle. And Trotz will be gone. I'm telling you about that now. I know it for a fact. So Barry may have to start to think a little bit more about what Barzell wants and how they can win with having Barzell put up 90. Barzell should put up 90 points every season with his ability. In his sleep. Yes. In his sleep on a good team. In his sleep. Or a team with a different style. I'll just say a team with a different style. So he, he may have, you know, when you get to the end point of a career sometimes, you, you know, you can reflect and go, maybe I got I to gotta change to, to survive my career an extra three or four years, stay alive. Maybe he, he could possibly think that way, but he's stubborn. I think deep down, those are just words, just padding. And, and, and you know how we're going to see it? 
we're going to see it with the lineups he puts out there every single night. I don't think the loss to Seattle. And here's the thing. I really hope it is. I really hope the ass beating against the Seattle Kraken last Wednesday was a light flip moment for him to say, I need to go ahead and incorporate. I need to go ahead and incorporate a little bit of a different style. I need to play some of the younger guys because these older guys haven't performed well. I know they're vets, but they haven't performed well. I need to start looking for other answers. But you know, it, it's you know, they okay, call, can I just it's say not for long. Yeah, I'm not interested in getting a city card. So, <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. you wanted you wanted me to pull it up, so I pulled it up, and so you could see it. And I highlighted the quote that you read, but I, I, I'm telling you, it's. <sighs> I just, I just think that's all just trying to flower things up. That's well, all it is. Robin yeah. Sallow gets sent down immediately. I don't think he's been spectacular, but you know, I'd like to see what he's got going forward. And when we think to ourselves, is Kiefer Bellows when he plays tonight? Are we going to put Kiefer Bellows back on the right wing? Because if we do, you're setting the kid up for failure. Barry Trotz mentioned in the first post-game interview that he talked about when Kiefer Bellows is on the right wing, he's like, after shredding the kid, he said, yeah, when I put him on the right wing, you know, it's it's not a recipe for him to be successful. He's never played there. And we do that three out of the next four games that he's in. Are we going to play Kiefer Bellos on the right wing now that Kyle Palmieri's out due to uh, due to uh, parental or uh, he's on uh, paternity leave? Right. Are we just going to throw Kiefer Bellos on the right wing and say, you don't ever have a chance really to chip away a spot in this lineup. We're just going to still go with the same cast and crew because that's what I believe. I think we're going to see Kiefer Bellos back on the right wing again this evening. Yeah, I. but I told you, the reason why he did it the first time is because Bellows was performing well under Lambert, but they had to get, in Barry's mind, I got to get Palmieri back in the lineup. So I'm going to put the kid where it's not his, where he's not, he won't be at his best. And this way he underperformed one game and bam, that was it for him. You heard what he said to Gross. He's like, yeah, I wasn't impressed with him at all. He had no chemistry out there. What did you think? Yeah. Who has chemistry one game with playing one game with a line? Well, that's see, here's the thing though. I guess Barry forgot that last year when Bellows played four games with Barzell, he did have chemistry. He scored three goals in four games. But he I you know, but that was playing left wing. But, but see and right. And see, that's the whole thing. It's like, why not play Matt Barzell with younger okay, here's the thing. Anders Lee is good at what he does, standing in front of the net. Kiefer Bellows has a way better shot. He moves better. And I know people say, oh, gosh, he doesn't skate. He skates better than Anders Lee. You put the sniper on the other side in Wallstrom. I just want to see what that looks like. There's nothing wrong with riding 5, 10 games with that, particularly with the season being lost. That's my whole issue. Yeah, well, I take a different take. Is the season, I mean, we're not – I kind of mock it at 50 games, between 50 and 55, and if you're at it, basically out of it at that point, then I'm going to start playing more younger kids and letting them develop. That's kind of like where my marker is on the season. It's hard to tell your fan base you're quitting at game 40. It really is. So I, I understand why February will probably be much of what we saw before, and then they'll make that decision. That's where the assessment will come out in early March after they finish this crazy 9 and 11 games on the West Coast which is, to me, probably going to be our death blow. If, if they somehow find a way to have a, a, have a good West Coast trip out of these two West Coast trips and somehow win a lot of games, you know, that changes things a lot, but I'd be shocked if it happened. But he's – look, I, I don't know if he's saying I'm trying to make Bellows fail because I can put Kyle Palmieri, and I, I can't possibly believe a coach thinks that way. When I, I, just want, I just want to try and win and put the best players I can in the best position to win. That's what my job is. 
Well, a, I, mean, I think I think he believes that real quick, Grumpy, that the original roster and even despite whatever whatever he's been propagating and throwing out there in that most recent interview, I think he believes the opening night roster, if given a long enough chance, will be successful. That's what he he went into the season thinking this is going to be the answer. I don't think he's given up on that thought. I still think he's sticking to his guns. Just looking at how he's been a coach in the past, I think he wants that opening that roster to be a success. And uh, how do you go ahead and make sure that you get that opening right roster there? Well, we're not going to upset the apple cart. I'm not going to go ahead and remove a guy like Zach Parise who's playing well. I'm not removing Matt Martin, even though Ross Johnson's looked better than him in limited time. They're just going to keep rolling out the same exact, the same exact lines. I think that's seriously what he wants to do. But, Grumpy, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah, two quick points. Uh, the season was lost when we made no off-season moves. The season was over. Um, that was number one. Easy. Number two, I'm not saying that he's trying to sabotage Bellows, but I don't think he even considers Bellows at all. I don't think he does. He just put Bellows there because he knew Palmieri was coming back. That's the only reason. And if you're trying to put a kid in the best chance to succeed, why would you put him in a position that he's never played? That just, I'm sorry, that's horseshit. Now, I don't know if you heard it on TV on Wednesday night. There were a couple of uh, outbursts of Kiefer Bellachance in the crowd. We didn't. No, I didn't. Oh, that makes me happy. Uh, we, were, we were doing a live game, so we didn't get to hear any of that. It did happen twice. It happened uh, once in the third period, once late in the second period. There were some co- chance of calling for him to be put on the ice. So, look, I mean, I, I get it, you know, that – the coaches can, you know, they can get that, but I think you you do have to hear certain things. And if, if, if the whole place is saying we think he's making a mistake, you got to stand up a little bit and go, well, some of these fans know what did. Not all of them, but some of these fans know what's going on. You know, I mean, what I saw in Kiefer Bell's issue was something I have not seen in him before. I saw a player that developed, um, was much more responsible defensively. I still think he needs to work on his skating, but he's not the only one. And I thought I saw a guy that was more confident. And, and by the way, Bell's plays physical. I don't know if anybody watches this. Bell's yes, likes this. Yeah. Okay. What I'm watching out on this team, uh, the difference that I see in this team this season compared to the three prior seasons is something I always screamed at my plays, and I still scream when I'm at the games. Uh, when, you, when you get a chance to hit somebody, you hit them. They don't hit anybody anymore. We do. We were hit in the last three years. We were a physical pain that you know what to play against. If you notice, we're not hitting anybody. You want to know why? Because we can't keep up with the speed of the league anymore because our guys are older now. Just can't do it. And here's the thing. You mentioned where Bellows is showing you something this year. Why? Because he actually had to be giving a ch- given a chance with COVID. They had no other options. They had to play him. And you saw them game by game. I'm going to throw Aho in there as well. Their game improved game after game after game after game. That's what happens when you give younger players a chance and they don't have to worry about getting shackled to the bench if they turn the puck over once. They get better. I mean, I I feel like I've been totally validated with everything I've been saying this year. And it just even more so since Barry's come back and now all of a sudden we're back rolling the geezer squad on there and we're getting rolled by freaking Seattle. Rolled by an expansion team. Rolled by an expansion team. Their first shutdown team history in our home building just before the All-Star break. You got rolled? Sorry. Sorry. Um, well, we all, first of all, we all picked the Islanders to do well this year. We had, we had them, all three of us picked them to finish in the top two spots in, a, in, in a, what is a, tough, a very tough division. Um, so we, we thought they were still going to be good. 
nobody saw this drop off like this. And I mean, there's a lot of things behind. It. I don't want to use excuses, but I do think this is a complete oddball season, and I do think that plays a little bit into this. But if, if they ha he has to now figure this out. He has to figure out that for this team to be consistently successful in an 82-game season, you have to have one line that produces consistently night after night. And if you don't have that, you're not going to make the playoffs without that. You've got to have that. You can you can play this system. That's why I said earlier, I don't care what the first line does defensively. If you have the other three lines being really responsive defensively and playing that 200-foot game and you have another line going out there putting two, three or pucks in the net, two or three pucks in, in the net a night, you're going to win a lot of games doing that. Yeah. And as long as you're taking out the other team's top line, you got a good chance to win. With you know, our defense is a little thin too this year, obviously, as we watched. And I do think Robin Sallow can be a top four D-man on this team within the next two years. So I mean, they can actually get this defense built back together next season pretty quickly. And you're gonna laugh at what my other thought process was. He's a free agent. Um, I actually said to myself, if they get him on a reasonable deal, on a short-term deal, I would bring Letty back. Oh, no way. Wow. No way. I'll tell you why, how I would do it. No way. I would, I would elevate Dobson to the first unit with Adam Pellick, which would be an unbelievable pairing. I would, yeah, let I, Pulak, I would let Pulak play with Letty, and I'd have Mayfield with Sallow. That's a really deep six-man decor. Yeah, that's for one more year, and then you lose Mayfield. Uh, see, I'm moving Mayfield at deadline. I, if they move him, it's going to be summertime. It won't be at the deadline. I well, see at the deadline. I feel like you're going to get, get more, even more. I feel like because not only can I give you a guy who performed really well last year in the playoffs, now you've got a guy that's guaranteed on your roster next year for 1.4 million as a top four defenseman on a very heavy defensive system uh, system team. I think you're going to get. I mean, I said bare minimum two first round picks. Well, you know what? Um, there's something about you know not only are you giving if you're trading Mayfield at 1.4 million, there's something that maybe we 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 lost sight of here. Mayfield's been playing first line minutes almost all season long, and he's he's held his own. Yep, that's going to be noticed, and that raises his stock a lot. Yeah, I, I, I said he's he he has unbelievable trade value, and here's the thing: this is when you talk about you go to guys beforehand. This is one where I go to Mayfield and saying. What are you going to be asking in the neighborhood for? If you're telling me five million, five and a half, remember the guy's never really been paid before. I don't blame him at all if he comes out and says, "I love you guys, thanks so much. You've been a great organization." But I, the last contract I was making one point four million a year. Uh, you know, I've been taxed X Y Z. I need to make some money. I'm going to be going out there in a free agent market looking for whoever's going to offer me the largest deal. You trade him now. I, I I think I could do a lot there to help re kind of re uh, reinvigorate you know the cupboards there regarding prospects. Right. See, that's my whole point. It's like for me, it's we're in rebuild mode right now. I don't care what anyone thinks. Well, you might say we're not. Do you not. think the team is good enough to win a Stanley Cup, even next year? It's currently constructed. No. Nope. But they. But they. As I said, if you if you have Oliver Wallstrom's game elevating up and you add that other big forward you change the whole look of the team just like that do we not i mean everybody watching do we not have one of the best young goaltenders in the sport because you I can so. steal you can steal a lot of hockey games with a great goalie i've seen that all my life if you can put the if you have a line that can dominate and you have a goalie that can steal games you can make a lot of noise and that's what you have, what you fill in look some of the guys that we have 
are, are not worth filling in anymore. Like I think Parisi is a guy I don't mind if I brought him back at 750k and put him on the fourth line in Clutterbuck spot. I'm fine with that, by the way. I think yeah. that fits well. My fourth line next year would be Sezikis, uh, Parisi, and Johnston. That would be my fourth unit. Uh, no, no, you know I love Matty Martin. He's been a great New York Islander, um, but I see what I see. He doesn't look like he has much left in the tank anymore. And look, the guy the guy's been one of the top hitters every year for what, like a decade. So give the guy his credit for how hard he played for us all these years. But I want to win. Well, well, let me ask you this. What makes you think, and I, I people this offseason going into the season said, okay, Wallstrom's going to be given a chance on a top six role, and they were opining the reason why. I said Barry has never shown a propensity to ever do that. Now, what makes you think next year that's going to change? Because I don't think Wallstrom is, I'm going to use quotes, there yet. I don't think that he's going to be given a chance in a legitimate top six role when the guy, again, one of the best shooters on our team goes ninth in shootouts. The not there on, on the best. Team. I'd say, okay, top three, no freaking doubt, no contention. I don't care if he's there playing with, uh, you know, a, a stick with a bro. I don't, I, I don't care. He's he's a top three guy, no matter what, and shootout should be shooting every single attempt. Shoots ninth, and you get a guy on six on five who's got one of your best shots on your team who's sitting on the bench. And you've got Josh Bailey out there. That tells me where Barry's thought process is on Oliver Wallstrom. We play guys like Kiefer Bellos on his off wing on the first line right wing, and guys like Zach Parise before we even give a sniff in an option for Oliver Wallstrom. I think that. Our value as fans for Oliver Wallstrom is much higher than where Barry's value is for Oliver Wallstrom. Look at every post game; he rips the hell out of him. He'll talk about how great the third line does, and he'll say, "Oh yeah, you know he's he did all right this one time. Oh, he got lucky with that goal. It was created by another individual, and oh yeah, he needs to do this differently, that differently." Never, never speaks positively of Wallstrom. I don't think it's like breaking down a horse. You know, he's trying to break him down to build him back up, and he's young enough that that's that's a molding character thing that they're doing. I don't always agree with it, but I understand what they're doing, and I understand the psychological premise behind it. Closed doors, not um, in the public. He did, he yeah. did the same. I, I, that's that's what I don't like. I don't like the fact that he's doing doing it so much in public because I, I was, you know, Al Arbor always kept everything in the locker room. Yep, that's how you should. Okay. And most coaches say that, you know, I want to keep it in the locker room for certain things, you know, have to be kept. That's the thing I have not liked this year. I've never seen him do that. This year he's been doing that a lot. He did, he did it to Barzell. He did it to Barzell for years. Used to bring, and, and I'll let you, and Grumpy, before, because we, we used to highlight this, and Grumpy is going to mention, we highlighted this two years ago, last year, and we've been highlighting it this year. We've been bringing up those points, and we are called crazy. You can't criticize a Hall of Fame caliber head coach, but we've brought up time periods where he did that on a consistent basis, as I know what you're going to say, Grom. And I don't have a problem if you bring it out in the media as long as you do it with all the players, not just the young guys. That's my issue. If he went and ripped Josh Bailey for having a crappy game or Anders Lee or Kyle Palmieri, just name any of your veterans that he loves, no problem because then you're treating everybody the same way. But when you just single out the young player and you give a pass to the older guys, who Leo Komarov cost us the game against Toronto. I don't know if it was last year at the beginning of the year, whatever it was. And, well, you know, yada, yada, he wasn't to blame. You know, he's played. I'm sorry. Don't rip a young guy when you give a guy a free pass. That's the that's the biggest problem I have with him on it. And, and get back You're on right, PJ, That character-molding horse shit, that's not your job, Barry. Your job is to get the guys to play the best that they can. He can mold. Uh, it is part of a coach's job to mold young players. That is yeah. part of their job. You uh, don't mold characters though to the media. It's why no, I you don't. I agree. I'm it's why I'm a fan of them. 
you know, and, Al Arbor beat the crap out of Dennis Poffin for years, but it wasn't in the media. Yep. Right. But yeah. you see, that's fine. But you do it like that. It's like, mm, you know, I have to think if I'm a player, I'm not playing for this guy. I see this guy over here sucking every night, Josh Bailey, Andrews, name anybody. And he never says anything about them. But me, I have one turnover that doesn't result in anything. I'll never forget the time he turned the puck over against Buffalo with the, who was it, Darlene in the Rise Miss Darlene, yeah. I and remember. It's like, holy shit, and you bury this kid for that? I remember Every, that. Everybody turns the puck over. That's my point. Uh, See, that's I, my point. But he, it's like, and you listen to the, the television broadcast, same thing. There's they're, they're parroting what he says. And I'm watching the veterans turn the puck over time after time, and nobody says anything about it. It's like, you know, as a younger player, and I'm sure his family members watch the games, are like, who is this piece of shit ripping you when you got these other pieces of garbage out there who turn the puck over all the time? I, I hate to bring this up, but you know who used to turn the puck over a lot on the New York Islanders who was here for many, many years, but nobody ever said a bad word about him? Tavares. Yeah. Well, that guy was a puck turnover machine. He did it all. I mean, he scored a lot and he produced a lot of points, but he turned the puck over up high a lot. And he didn't have Barzell's speed to get back. True. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, and, and I'm sorry, Tommy B. I wanted you to get back to your point, but we kind of we kind of derailed it. But Coach Tommy B. I wanted you, if you remember what you were going to talk about regarding, um, you know, players. I was I was asking what makes you think that Oliver Wallstrom is going to be given a chance on the first line when you know he's not utilized in right situations, and every single chance they have to give Wallstrom even a period or a game at the first line right wing, they find guys like Carice, Bellos, and anybody else to play that right wing spot. I'll give you two possible reasons why that will, why that can or will eventually happen. One is if if Trotz is eventually put on the hot seat with this, okay, and he's now desperate for his job, he could change his thinking. When your job is on the line, with most people, your thinking can change, and I think we all know that. So if if we're not scoring goals and he sees that this guy can actually up our production and it could help him save his job, that would be one reason he might do it. The other is that, yes, I what I said, I believe right now he's playing mental games with the kid. And he's trying to mold this kid. And, again, it should have been done in a locker room. I, but I understand that premise. And then at some point he'll go, okay, now, now I'm ready to trust you. And that's how some coaches are. They're strange. And maybe he just looks at his age. I mean, it's, he could be just he's, – he's at, at an age I just can't trust him at that age, and which is a weird, weird way to think because I do it by performance. I, I do it with the eye check. If yeah. I see that you can you can handle the job, I'm going to give it to you whether you're 32 or you're 19. That's how I look at it. I don't look at the age factor. If, if I see you're doing your job right, I'm going to let you play. And by the way, I'm going to compliment you on it. I was always this way. Um, I, if you're playing like garbage, I will not let it go. I will let you know it. But if you're playing great, I also won't let it go. I'll let you know it. This way I'm being evenly handed and I also feel psychologically that makes it makes you want to do well because you know I'm going to compliment you if you're doing well. I don't think he compliments players when they do well. I really don't. He may be as insatiable. And I mean, maybe you see, I mean, Domin is it Dominic Darshamang? Or Do I always mispronounce his last name. How yeah, do you the guy just got fired from Montreal. Montreal, right? Brings yeah. him to the cup finals. And again, he never really did great in the regular season either year. That last year or this. I mean, they the Montreal Canadiens have been woeful. I mean, way worse than us. But I mean, you bring him to the Stanley Cup finals and next year 
you're fired. So you know they're horrible. You let cut a, you let them go. Sorry, that's 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 professional sports. I tell you, but I just get I just you mentioned you know how he's do playing mental games with them. I don't know. For me, when I saw the young players and how they were performing, they were outshining the veterans. When Lane Lambert was behind the bench for those how many games? As soon as Barry comes back, you see their performance drop. Now, see, that would make sense because if you're fucking with their head all the time out there, you know what they're saying? Geez, I got to be perfect all the time. I'm sorry. You're trying to get the best out of your players. I, I, I just don't believe in that mentality. That's old school. But mentality. it also tells you something. If, if they could, because Lane Lambert plays, Lane Lambert plays the exact same system right. that Barry Trotz does. Exactly. So if they can be, if they can be a little looser and more comfortable with him, and all of a sudden they're having success, it's not the system or the player. That's right. And then it becomes the coach. That's right. And and, and that to me, that was that's the that was the whole crux of the matter. It was the coach because I saw a noticeable difference of play when Barry was there first, then Lane, and then Barry again. I thought it was night and day. Sometimes you can lose the room a bit, and sometimes your voice becomes a little stale. That being said, before we jump into more Islanders content, we do have an ad to read today from DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York. Me meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline, which is 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y, which is 467-369. Wow. Um, I'm just going to say if I was a gambling man and I was a first-time better, I would bet upon Cincinnati and Los Angeles because – you know, for 10 bucks, I'm going to get myself 56 to one odds, no matter what. So I'm going with that. That's a smart thing to do, right? Isn't that the smart bet? I, I one against the other. You can't go wrong. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> just, oh, there's just man. numbers and common sense. Oh, good gracious. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess, Grumpy. Yeah. Um, but now this is this has been a, a moment in, a, in one of these points that has kind of been building amongst the fan base and i want to hear coach tommy b's response on it first and then grump because i know yours and i know everybody knows your opinion on this subject but i want to hear a little bit about what you think 
about Lou and Barry, the dichotomy of both, because a lot of people have been raising questions. Okay, is it more Barry's fault? Is this more of Lou's fault? Barry brought a team that struggled consistently under Doug Waite, and he turned them into really, really good performers. He brings them to two Eastern Conference Finals. He can't be the problem. It's got to be the general manager. Some people say, hey, I'm looking at the lineups out there every single night. I'm noticing it's more of the head coach. I wanted to get your take on it and, and what you think maybe is a solution to the struggles we've been in that situation. Well, I mean, first off, when you, if you want to look at that transition, um, that last year hold of Doug Wade. Hold on, Tom. And, just, I just want to let everyone know that TJ posed that question like that because he had to go potty again. I just, <laughs> everyone knows that TJ cannot make it through a podcast, not even an hour, with having to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry, Tommy. Please continue. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to, I was going to say something, but I'll actually leave that alone. <laughs> so I, I was going to say how, you know, the last team that we had before Trotz and Lou took over. Um, was actually a really talented hockey team. It, it was, and we, and we, and we were, offensively, we were highly productive. The, the problem with that team was that it was a divided locker room. It, it really was divided in half. It was Barzell's people and Tavares' people. Tavares made that a divided locker room. That's his fault, and the coach allowed it. So I got to blame the coach for that. But now we're, we went and we brought this team of unity together, you know, and maybe we were, a little, we were less talented, but we had everybody sailing in the right direction. So I do wonder what's going on in that locker room right now. Who is to blame for that? Look, a lot of people want to, if you want to blame Lou, you can blame Lou. You can blame the players. You, I bet they all have some degree of fault. You know, players play, the coaches coach, the general manager manages. So they, if you're unsuccessful, I think they all have to take a certain level of blame. Um, who is to blame more? That's hard to know without knowing really what's going on in that locker room. Um, if you believe there is a, a, some type of a division in that locker room, then to me it goes on the coach if that's what's going on. Um, could it be fixed? Yeah, I just told you. I've already got my retool plan and the whole thing and what I think they need to do. And um, I know how to do a cap, so I understand how to manage the money and how the money fits in the cap. I do it every year. And I, I don't think this team is completely lost, though I know most fans right now feel that way, especially after that. Seattle game, which was one of the worst games I've ever actually attended or been at, was that Seattle game uh, as far as watching the game. If I, if back then, I, I got to take my nephew and give him a, a wonderful night, made up for it, but the game itself was a horror show. I just think they're all to blame for this bad season and some screwed up circumstances. But my feeling is if this is a locker room issue, then it's on trots more than anybody else. Yeah, see, I don't think it's a locker room issue. I really don't. I think it's just the fact that we're, we all got old at the same time. And that's just the way. I mean, just we have no pace in our skating. We're, we seem like it seems like everyone, for the most part, has lost a half a step. Anders Lee, more than half a step, honestly. Maybe it's contributed to the knee. I don't know. But, you know, JG Pajot, he's like a shell of himself skating wise. And maybe he's still injured. I don't know. But, I mean, you look at when Zach Parise looks like your best skater out there, and, I mean, I'm sorry. That tells me something about the talent of the players. And I don't think the players have quit. I really don't. I just think, look at how many guys we have over the age of 30. Players, particularly less ta less physically talented players, don't get better in their 30s. And I think what you're seeing is we're kind of falling off that cliff. Tom Brady never fell off the cliff. but Holy these shit. Guys, Here it is. Why don't oh. you go back to the bathroom, okay? Tommy and I are having a conversation. <laughs> Just take another pee-pee break, all right? Oh, God. So, but Tom you, freaking I, Brady again. I just think that 
that you've seen the majority of these guys, they're on the way down. And that's a problem. Now, who do I blame for that? Because I'm not blaming the players because I don't think they've quit. I want to blame, I want to blame Barry more than Lou because I think that Barry and Lou work together. But Barry tells Lou, this is what I want to be successful. These are the type of players. And I think Lou overspends. I think he pisses away draft picks. But I'm going to give it 60-40 Barry over Lou for who's to blame for this. I'm going to give one uh, – uh, I just want to say one thing about when he's saying that. Now, we, we've we all know about the disastrous Devontae's trade, which, as I've said to people, if Rat Day turns out to be really good, it's not that bad of a trade anymore. Okay, that's, that's you know, remains to be seen. But – well, let's face it, you know, it was, we know this, that it was Barry who went to him and said, I want to keep Nick Letty. Okay, so yep. that if, if Barry went to him and said, I, I get Tay signed and get rid of Letty, Letty's gone, people. Letty's That's the right. one who goes. That's right. And we said that, we said that before it happened, when he was saying that Nick Letty was the second best player on this team by a country mile. After, and I'm like, I don't know what game he was watching, but... And true, Taves did struggle a little bit in the playoffs. But what people keep forgetting is he hadn't even played 100 games in the league at that part yes. point in time. I mean, you know, because we're not even going to rehash how they left him down in the minors to start the season. That's not do that. The best defenseman in training camp, but we wanted to make sure Thomas Hickey was still on the team or the Lucas Spiza over Adam Pellick. That's all on Barry. Okay. All that, right? Let's not talk okay. about that. Let's not rehash that. Lucas Spezia, you found somebody who skates slower than Chara. Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. But he got the he got the opening night uh, nod instead of Adam Pellick. Think about I that. that. I Think remember about that. that. And the thing with Taves, it's like, okay, that's where Lou needed to say, yeah, I know you're not like Letty, but we have to think about the future of this team. This kid's 24 years old. Letty's 28 at the time. He's got makes a lot more money. He can help us with salary cap issues. Of course, this is all pre-COVID, of course. But still, I'm always for taking a guy who's a younger talent who plays a modern NHL game as opposed to somebody who's on the downside. Remember, Letty played been playing the league since he was 18. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's had wear and tear on his body as well. And I think you've seen that in the last couple of years. And I, I, like I said, TJ and I called that a catastrophic deal right from the get-go. We knew for us he would never produce like he is for Colorado. No way. We could not no. But he, we knew he was tailor-made for one of those type of systems that was heavy for check. We want to score and generate a lot of offense. We knew he would – I didn't – seriously, I could have never have imagined he would be close to a point-of-game defenseman. I really thought he was a guy that – I think even if we go back to the old podcast, we said maybe 50, 60 points a season. I never would have thought the guy could possibly get 80 points a season or some nonsense like that. I mean uh, – um, no, he's, he's playing with an insanely, insanely good defense partner, man. Oh, yeah. Car is top of the line. Yeah, but who do you guy think is unbelievable? But who do you think is carrying the defensive burden for that pairing? It's Devontae's. Well, he is, but you know what? That line very rarely do you have to carry a defensive burden when you're playing with that unit because they always have the puck. And I, like I said, if we put a first line out there that always has the puck, you don't have to worry about the 200 foot game. True, true. But what I'm saying is that Devontae, while he was criticized for his defensive game here in a defensive system, he still played for the Islanders 
and knows how to play the defensive game. And that's why I feel he's benefited playing for a team like Colorado, who's not great defensively, but he has that responsibility built in him from playing for the Islanders for those number of years, and you're seeing it pay off in Colorado. It's the reason why I think Colorado will not win the Cup. They're one line. Until they do what Tampa Bay learned. Yes. They are Tampa Bay right now before Tampa Bay won Cups. That's who Colorado is. True. And until they learn that they have to really, you know, they got to install a better defensive system back there and, and stronger, more physical defensive players, um, then they're going to keep falling short, even though they're fun to watch, score a lot of goals, they're going to win divisions, uh, going to win a round or two in the playoffs every year. But that team you get to play like a Vegas team is going to beat you every time in the playoffs because of the way they play. Well, to me, it's they need to add some grit like Tampa did. That's, yes. that's the biggest thing. And they had to have a little bit more balanced scoring. They're a one-line team still. Yes. But Kadri, Kadri, let's give credit. He's kind of expanded that to the second line. So, you know, they, maybe they're going in that direction now. But I 100% agree. A little bit more structure defensively and a little bit more grit, and they're on their way. Hey, Kadri goes against your rule. He came out of nowhere to do that this season. There was a guy you thought was saw going down the ladder, and all of a sudden he was zoop. But it, he, I know it doesn't normally happen. It's it's it's. it's but he's not sense. thirty either. He's not thirty. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's he is. thirty. He's thirty-one. Grumpy. Is he thirty-one. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yep. Thirty-one. Yep. He's 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 right around that same draft class as as John Tavares. I think he was one year before John Tavares actually. So he's a year. Where old. was he playing in Toronto though? What line was he playing on? I think he was third unit in Toronto. Okay. Well, see what I mean. See, does you see what I mean? Now he's a second line player in Colorado. Okay. As opposed to it's, a third line, and well, maybe when, he wasn't suspended. <laughs> when he wasn't maybe. suspended, he was playing third line. Well, that's true, and that's what you can always count on him getting suspended in the playoffs. So, and and I want to ask because I think we'll 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 kind of evolve this into the next question too. But I know you you have ideas, and Grumpy Old Man and I have talked about ideas for the off season, how to improve going forward, what type of mentality we're going to take. I wanted to hear your off season take of what we'll need to do to build this. Do you think, hey, we are contender next year if we can go ahead and make some alterations? What type of alterations do we need to make? And then you know that will grow into, hey, is Barry Trot still the guy who needs to be at the helm? Um, you know, if you are still saying, hey, we want to be a contender. I wanted to hear a little bit about what your offseason plans are, Coach Tommy B. I know you said you have them all well put out together, so I wanted to hear a little bit about them. Yeah, well, like like I mentioned, you know, early in the show here, and I, and I do believe, you know, this is a team that's going to have around $14 million in cap space when it goes up to 82.5 because the league is going to hit the five-bill revenue share, which will jump it up. And and then, by the way, you're two years away from a big, big cap jump if you read, if you read the CBA. So what, what I – we do with that is I want to make it 24 and that's why I'm dealing as much as I, and I am not like Grump with Josh Bailey. I appreciate a lot of things he's done here. Uh, I appreciate all the stuff he's done in the community. He's an unbelievable family man. He's a great Long Islander. He has done so much and he, and he did have some very good seasons here and he, and he has had a couple of very good playoffs here. So I just think though, it would be the right time to move him and I would move his 5 million out. I would move Volley's 5 million out and I, I'm getting a first round pick for Volley. And I'm even open to moving Mayfield. Don't think that I'm not, because I know we can bring back a lot. I, I, I'm i under the assumption they won't move him. I was about to say, if you move Mayfield, I think you can see that you are, you are more going to, we need to revamp and rebuild, and maybe no. we're looking to maybe two or three years until we're competitive. Maybe probably closer to three years when we're competitive, and that's when you're going to have to start playing younger players. I mean, if you move Mayfield, who's on a very, very cost-effective contract, is a top-four defenseman for us, I think that you say we're also not trying to be as competitive next year too. 
I don't necessarily think that's the case. If they do, I mean, look, if you if you move Mayfield, you have to find somebody that can. You have to find a veteran at a reasonable price that can handle that job for a year or two uh, to make up. I mean, like, look, he's not an all-world defenseman, but but amazingly enough, for some reason, when the playoffs come, the guy does play like an all-world defenseman in the playoffs. Don't know why. Clutching and grabbing goes goes by the wayside. You can get away with a lot more. I think right. that's why he's 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 a quintessential great playoff caliber defenseman. Big lumbery leans on you, commits fouls and penalties, egregious lemats of them, and he doesn't yep. get called for him in the playoffs. And, and by the way, I would I'd also be open to trading Bavillier if it's the right deal. So you know that. But I feel it's essential that either one of these two players they they throw the they throw the cash machine at him and bring him here. It's either got to be Forsberg or Goudreau. They've got to go get one of those two hockey players, and they've got to give Barzell that line mate. Um, and I want, at the very least, Wilson has to be in the top six next year, in my opinion. He's got to be. You know, I, I had a look, I have to deal with the fact that Palmieri is going to be on this team. And if I can revive him somewhat, he's going to be on my third line playing with Pajot and a guy who I want to see playing regularly every day next season, Bellows. Okay, and Bellows will be on the left side where he's supposed to be, and Palmiro will be on the right side where he's supposed to be. Bellows has got a fan, another fan. We were I feel like we were the only two. I know I was, and you were too grumpy. We were the Bellows fan come club. Around. And they oh all hey, come he's, around he's, well, it's not not because of what we're doing, it's because he's played well this season. I, again, I'll be very interested in the next mm, 15 minutes when we find out whether Bellows will play on the right wing or the left wing. We'll find that out live on the show before the game, too. You know, I, I think that I think that's a very uh, a third line that you put out there of, of Bellows um, with Pajot and Palmieri, and I believe Palmieri can definitely, uh, by the way, play better than he's played this season. I don't think you know this can just be an abomination season, and he still could be a, a guy that puts up team goals. And that that line could be a solid line. I told you earlier, Sezikis, Parisi, and I I could also go for Clutterbuck instead of Parisi if Clutterbuck's willing to take a million dollars. Because I'm not paying three million dollars, I'm not giving him that. And then Ross Johnson, who I believe is an, is an, is is a good guy to have out there every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't have to have Zdeno Chara on my defense. And if and if for some reason I brought Chara back or I brought Green back, they're the number seven defensemen. They are not on my starting six. I'll bring them for the locker room to fill in because they're good leaders, but they're not being in my top six. And I'm going off the assumption that they're going to keep Mayfield. Okay, and that's why I said to you, I actually believe it's time to elevate Dobson. Could could you see the pairing of Noah Dobson and Adam Pellick? Mm-hmm. How unbelievable that that number one pairing could be. The yep. possibilities of what that could do for this team, if we have what I said, Wallstrom playing with Barzell and Goudreau or Forsberg. Tell me that does not change how this team looks. If I have Nelson Bavillier and Lee on the second line, I can live with that. I'm I'm leery on, on a part of this, and I think you may mention this too. I'm leery on a part of this. Maybe again, I, maybe I'll chalk it up because we've never done it in the history of the team, or because I'm afraid who the head coach is. I think that Goudreau, you have no chance in hell on bringing him in. I don't care. You could pay him a million more than anybody else every year than what they're offering, and I still think he goes elsewhere. I still think he's a guy. And think about it. Philly's just an absolute cluster. But he he was originally rumored to want to go back to Philly. That's where that's he's, the area he's from. He still gets to play with Matt Barzell, and those teams can't offer that. What but he's I mean, got to play for Barry Trotz. 
was about to say, I mean, he see look at what Barry Trotz did to Alexander Ovechkin. Look what Barry Trotz has done to Matt. I don't, again, I'm not saying well, Matt Marzal is a world beater. He's really, really good, but he turned a guy who should be a point-of-game player on any team in the NHL to a guy who, if he's lucky, sniffs 60 points a season. But, you know, there's more to it than you know, is a recruiting factor to this, okay, oh, yeah. when you bring players in. And you've got to bring him in and give him your vision. And you've got to let him know, I'm going to open things up for the, for you and Maddie to play together to produce a lot offensively. If you go and say, I'm going to, I'm going to concern about your defense, he's not signing here. Will he oh, do that? But, but you realize that has been Barry's coaching style for 28 years. Well, if he wants to keep his job after next year, he better do it. So in other words, Tommy. I would love if he, I'd so, love if he meets in the middle. Hold on. So you're agreeing what I what I said, what I've been saying on this podcast for months, is they need to talk to Barry and tell him that this is what it has to be, and if he says no, you're gone. Yes. So you agree with? Okay. See, uh, he once again, Tommy has now come around. No, no I said that early in the year. I said, I said he has to get on Barzell's page. I mean, Barzell is is the face of this team. And I said, and we we talked about bringing in a scoring winger last summer, and we failed because. It was a lot more tricky with their cap last summer. They have room to do this. There's no excuse this summer. They have room money-wise to make this happen. And if they don't make it happen, then that's on them. But he, but he has to recruit properly. And the proper way to recruit a fourth burger of Goudreau is you bring him in here with Maddie and you show him what we can do with this top line and we're going to let you guys loose. The rest of the team oh. is going to play that 200-foot game. We're letting you loose. You guys have to score so we can win. If you sell that, he comes. If you don't okay. sell that, he don't come. It's okay. So now everyone laughs at me, and it's impossible to try to sell Anders Lee to maybe get tra- take a, a trade somewhere. Different but, thing. No, oh, you're right. No, it's exactly the same. If you're trying to tell me that you're going to sell Barry Trotz on the idea of just letting a first line go crazy offensively, no, that's not going to happen. I, I, I never see that from him. If his job, if his, if it's, if Lou is is telling Barry that, hey. This has to be done for us to win. Either you're on board with us or you're gone. I, I I have a feeling that Barry will say, okay, I'll do it. He'd have a job in two minutes. Edmonton. Tell me, think about how Edmonton. Oh, Connor McDavid with Barry Trotz. Yeah. You, if you want Connor McDavid to truly leave Edmonton, bring Barry Trotz there. <laughs> but tell me, He'll be packing his bags tomorrow. But tell me that he wouldn't – tell me that Edmonton – wouldn't benefit from having Barry Trotz as head coach. Oh, it's yeah, it would it, never, it would never happen. I think I think his style. I, I hate when you say bad. never. I hate when you use the word never. Do you think again? I'll, I'll, I think I think the same exact way Tommy B thinks on this. Do you think Leon Leon Drysaddle Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid would be like, yeah, Barry Trotz, let's go ahead and sign up. This is fantastic. No, I can't wait for you to be my head coach. They want to win, but they also <laughs> want to score a hundred plus points a season. I'm, they're Those a team guys that, want a Mike Babcock. They don't want. They, they, they wouldn't want Barry. They want a Babcock, not a Barry Trotz. They're a team that needs structure. Yeah, big deal. That the Edmonton is a team that needs structure, and that's what Barry Trotz has brought to the Islanders. 100%. And what he, what he, I mean, look what Dwayne Sutter has done for Calgary. Same thing. Same thing. This is the guy who was coach of the Kings, all defense. He's tweaked it a little bit, but he's brought structure to Calgary. I mean, they're still scoring a lot of goals. But all of a sudden, you don't hear, you know, Gaudreau wanted to get traded at the deadline. I mean, he might even sign back there. You don't know. I mean, um, I would doubt good. that. I, but, I don't but think you don't know. Yeah. But here's the thing: he was really unhappy. He was a fait accompli that Miserable. he was gone. But this year, his points are back up. 
They're winning. Stuff Scoring happens when you win. And winning games solves problems. Yeah, I mean, it, it does, does solve problems, but I, I also don't think Johnny Goudreau has ever wanted to play for a Canadian team, and I still don't think he wants it. Well, that's possible too. He I'm might. not saying I'm not saying that he he won't leave as a free agent. I'm just saying that things are better between him and uh, Calgary than they were. That's all. The the thing I worry about is that he is never going to subscribe to the thought of we need to open up a little more offensively. And I, I just, I just think it's, uh, I don't think Johnny Guerrero, you can ever sell on that. I, I just don't think Forsberg, you could sell on that. If we're in a market to where you're going to have a lot of free available cash as, as you know, the, as we see cap start to expand, yeah. I, we're in a stadium, right? We have no excuses anymore. We've got the brand new arena, spectacular, spectacular arena. We've got state-of-the-art facilities at the Wazoo. We have legitimate ownership. We've got a general manager that's very highly regarded in the NHL. We've got a head coach that's fairly highly regarded in the NHL. If you're unable to bring in marquee free agents or a marquee free agent this offseason, I, I, I think he, I, I'm not pointing directions at saying, oh, we're, we're, you know, we built you know, the, the stadium and the arena on an Indian, Indian burial ground. I point the finger at the coach because I think style has a lot to do with it too. If the money's there and the guy doesn't want to come, I think it has more to do with our style. You know, and Lou has, you know, contrary to popular belief, Lou has tried to bring in the big gun. Oh, I'm sure he, he has. On a couple of occasions he has. Oh, so yeah. it's not like he hasn't. He didn't try everything he could do to get Panarin here or Mark Stone here. He, just to name a couple of guys he tried to bring here. Um, you know, in, in the end, Stone wanted to be in Vegas. So, you know, we didn't get him. In the end... You know, and Aaron wanted to be in Manhattan. So in, in the end, that's what happened. But he has made the effort to bring in some dynamic players. So it's not like Lou doesn't want this player on the first line of Barzell. He does. And then I, I think that if he brings that player in, it, it catapults the pressure on Trotz tenfold to let them ha- breathe and have some freedom. Because what, what if you sign a player like Johnny Goudreau, you sign him for seven years at $63 bucks. And he comes here in his first year, and he's not happy. Trotz is the guy who's going. I say preemptively strike down Barry Trotz and move on. <laughs> Make sure. You know what? Hey, you, you say, don't believe us? <laughs> we'll get rid of Barry if you sign. How about that? No problem there. Hey, I just, you know, it's just funny. Mark Stone wanted to go play in Vegas. Uh, you know, uh, Panarin wanted to play in Rangers. Kyle Palmieri wanted to play for the Islanders. That's why we got stuck with that piece of shit. I will say this. If we had gotten Mark Stone, there is a certain guy who wouldn't be on this team right now. I'll bet you it's Matt Barzell. Noah Dobson. Oh, well. Well, I'll be honest. He was in that trade. I'll be honest with you. I'm happy we didn't get Mark Stone then. I think think Noah Dobson. I think Noah Dobson's got the ability to be one of those those special defensemen, maybe like your Alex Pedrangelo's. I think he is a really special cat. One thing that you mentioned, Tommy, you thought that you know, you'd like to see a first pairing with Dobson and uh, Pellick, which I would too. And he's another guy that I throw in when Lane Lambert was behind the bench. Man, Noah Dobson's game just picked up. He was dominating from the back end, rushing the puck. And as soon as Barry comes back in, nope, just we're just going to dump it. I, I just I thought that the, it was stark how the young players played when Lane was behind the bench as opposed to Barry. Yeah, I also like the future of this because I, I, you know, people maybe not pick up on that. Um, when Robin Sala was quarterbacking on a second power play unit, it was dangerous. I don't know if anybody paid attention to it. They were getting a lot of shots. Sala gets his shot through. 
better than anybody on this team, by the way, from the point. I don't know if people are watching that. He's real nifty at making the maneuver to get the shot through the lane and not have it blocked. Yeah, that's so important when you're on a power play. And I thought Salo really moved the puck well at the top, you know, at the at the top of the blue line back and forth and making his passes. I, I see with Dobson and Salo as the future together, we're gonna have two power players that are gonna be run very well with those two. So that and and really learning that each power play unit has to have a one-time sniper on it. You True. need a guy, no knock on even Nelson Nelson's horrible at one time in the puck, by the way. If he's a great great wrist shot. But he cannot one time the puck to save his life. Either can barely, unfortunately. You've got the best one time snipers we have on this team right now are Bellows. Bellows. That's right. And look at how our power play picked up when they both played on the power play together. Yep. It's it wasn't a mystery. mystery. It wasn't a mystery that we were scoring power play goals. And again, they may not have been pretty. We we're still putting the puck in the net. Yeah, I just, it's so frustrating that, you know, as Ham and Egger fans like we are, if we're able to see it, why isn't Barry able to see it? It's, I, what I just, opens, it's what opens up a power play. If you have a good guy at the point who can shoot and move the puck and you have a, a guy who can one time, they know that guy's there. The defense pulls up. They try to get them to block him. So then you can just pass down, tic-tac-toe, bam. You yep. have both options there. And once you get the right. defense moving in a penalty kill, that's when you have them. And the pace with those players, the yes. pace of the passes moving was so much better. Where – it looks like, like I said, we're th like we're th passing through water when the veterans are out there. But the young guys, man, they're moving that puck, and that's what creates the opportunities. I don't, uh, well, I mean, everyone knows what I think. Who listened to this show more than like once knows what I think on this. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to rehash that. But yes, when the younger guys were out there, when Lane Lambert was the behind the bench, our team looked better, and it was all the younger guys who stood out. None of the veterans, not well, a one. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, Coach Tommy B. Now, this is something I came up with a theory last podcast. And uh -oh. um, what was that, Crump? Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I came up with a theory last podcast. Now, I think they're going to be sellers at the deadline. I don't think that's a far-fetched theory. That being said, what I think will happen or could happen, and again, I haven't come up with a specific name of a player. I just have an idea that I think we, they, the Islanders might incorporate because I think Stupid Johnny Goudreau was that. It's a stupid theory. Go ahead. Yeah, I think Johnny Goudreau probably is not coming. And, uh, you know, maybe Philip Forsberg. But Forsberg, I think, has his mind made up already. We have no idea what it is because he played for a short time period under Barry Trotz. Did he like him? Did he, you know, piss in his Cheerios? He was a young guy at that time period. Did he not get along well with him? Who the heck knows? So maybe he's got some fond, nostalgic feeling about it. Maybe he wants to come play for Barry Trotz. I have no idea. We'll find out. If we're not able to get one of those two pieces, I think we are going to mortgage off a first plus sum for a guy who is uh, for a guy who is a winger that does have term or a guy who is entering you know the prime of his career or in the prime of his career i really believe no matter what happens if, even if we're unable to get one of those two big fish i think we are going to try to sell everything we can to make a one last hurrah to win a cup i really do believe that That's i don't think it's right and the, the two names that would come to my mind there would be once again tarasenko and the kid from San Jose Hurdle would be the two guys that I, I could see them actually targeting if they were to do that. Um, I, I'm not giving up a high pick. If I get a high pick, I'm, I'm keeping that pick. I'm sorry. If, if they do well in the lottery and I get a really good – that pick's going nowhere. It's going nowhere but into my into my cupboard of 
prospects to build that cupboard. They have some good young kids that I like more so than other people do. Um, but if I get a high pick, this is a good draft. Not going anywhere. I'm not trading that for. I'm not trading that for one or two years or somebody. No way in hell. And, and one thing I think you mentioned, Thomas Hurdle. Now that's a guy. San Jose has changed up their system this year to play more of a defensive style. So I think that's a that's a good idea. He's he's been changed, right? They play more of the defensive style under the new head coach. I'm not sure what they would give up to get a guy like Tomas Hurdle, but I, I just I feel like we've overpaid for a lot of those. I wouldn't even call them marginal names on the market. When we look at what we gave up a first and a second for Jean-Gabriel Pajot, you look at what we gave up there for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak, a first and a fourth. We give up a second for Andy Green. I think that we, on a consistent basis, overpay for players via trade, and we get less value back in return when we trade away players, i.e. Devon Taves, et cetera. So I, I – yeah. I'm not sure what he would cost, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he's if he would go into this blind idea of, hey, we I don't mind if we mortgage off the future. We're here to win the cup now. We're, well, at his age, um, go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. We are so far away from competing for a Stanley Cup. One player is not going to do it. I don't think, TJ, that you look at the rest of the league. These, the good teams in the league: Carolina, Florida, Tampa. They're like twice as good as we are. The Rangers, we're not even the best team within a 15-mile radius, and it's not even close. Honestly, I, I mean, seriously. I, I, I could see them making changes. I, just, I can't, and I agree with Tommy here. I'm not trading any draft picks. I'm just trying to back. If you want to try to sign free agents, great. I'm all for it. No problem. I don't think anybody's going to come here. That's a whole other story. I but I'm trying Everybody who I'm trying to make deals, if I'm moving Varlamov or uh, Mayfield, you can get probably a first and a second for Mayfield. I'm willing to do that. Mayfield, remember, if what everything that you say, Tommy, if he's a bottom pair right-handed defenseman and you get a first and second round pick for him, that's gold. You could sign somebody. You just don't have to play him, you know, 18 minutes, minutes a night. Yeah. Well, yeah, everybody doesn't have to play 20 minutes. You overload your first couple of pairings, and you play them 10, 12 minutes a night. No problem with that, right? Now, here's the thing. That's something Barry Trotz doesn't like to do either. But if he's, if we're going to – Barry Trotz is going to train, change everything he does, let's just go with that too, right? But here's the thing. I'm using those draft, draft picks because eventually you're going to have your Anders Lees, your Josh Bailey's, your Brock Nelson. They're all going to age out, and right now you have nothing. Absolutely nothing to fill in behind. Mm. Now, and 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 I get uh, well. I'd let you kind of go on there with the grump. Now, I, Thanks. I think. Well, here's the thing. I think that you and I, 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 we would need a lot to have done. I'm still not sure, but under the ideology, if I seriously think if Trotz goes, I seriously think if Trotz goes, and we incorporate more of the youth, we'd be in okay. What is it, grump? I'm just laughing. I just let you go there, Grumpy. I let you go there because Grumpy. I know it's well. Here, here's the thing. When when you're talking about it, I know you want to blow the whole team okay. up, no, and no, I just okay. think it's it's just not what they're going to do. Okay. I think well, that when okay. we're that might not be what they're going to do. But do you think that a Thomas Hurdle, or who was the other guy we were mentioning, Vladimir Tarasenko, oh, Vladdy Tarasenko, Grumpy? Do you think they're going to turn this team around? 
I think here's I think if you had a different ideology, it would be easier to be successful. I don't think Trotz would ever adopt a different ideology. I don't think Trotz is the answer for us. Okay. And that's that's where I disagree. Like I think that if I, I I'm not saying we completely abandon hey the defensive style that's gotten us here. I'm just saying we need to incorporate a little bit more of offensive. We need to incorporate a little bit more of a hey. I don't mind if we give up a few more high danger scoring chances. We've got a fantastic goalie back there in net. Let him earn his money. He makes spectacular saves. We need to force a little bit more of the issue on the offensive side of the puck. I keep telling you that we have a we have a goalie that is capable of being the very best at his position. That's how talented he is. I, and I've, I've tuned his horn for about six years. Um, I'm telling you, this can be Dominic Hasek of the league. That's how good this guy can be. So you know what? Let him play. Let him play 65 games a year. I don't care. And 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 take more risk because the guy can make saves off his earlobe. I've, he can spin around on his head, split <laughs> his legs. The guy's insane. He's Gumby. Okay, I I agree. I agree, but you're saying okay, one guy. Okay, we're gonna play a more wide open. Coaching change, coaching change. I'm I'm not saying it's. I'm just saying he either needs to adopt a different ideology, which he won't do, which means we need to look for different coaches. But we we need so many players. If you want to change, we need as much as you think. No, but listen here. Listen, my theory. We're slow. We're old and slow. So you're gonna have to get rid of some of the old guys if you want to play a more upstyle game. This is not the roster for an upstyle game. I'm not talking yeah. about like a day and night difference. I'm talking about like if we're if it's complete pitch dark. I'm saying let's get a little bit of that morning sunlight in. Now, I'm not saying a day and night difference. I'm all for Johnny Goodell. It's an adjustment. It's you 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 pack your three lines to play a very solid 200 foot game, which they have guys that can do that, and you wide open the first line and let them go like crazy. And you put that dominant first pair defense pair together. I want to see teams go up against uh, uh, Dobson, Pellick, Barzell, Wallstrom, and Goudreau when they put those five guys on the ice. And I want to see how that works out for them. If I'm playing that shift, you know, 33% of the game, which is exactly what I would do, and treat my fourth line the way I'm supposed to treat my fourth line, where they play about eight minutes, okay. I'm telling you, and then those those middle lines just do what they're supposed to do. Contain. Contain, play physical, and chip in. And if you do that and you have this goalie who I don't think he's got any testicles, excuse my expression, because I've never seen a goalie split like that before. <laughs> I've never seen it before like that. You have it, you can you can turn this around quick, but they have to they have to have an alteration to the system. It's so gotta be all the coach. You're gonna need a new coach. Yep. I agree with that. Not what Barry does. And, he says, do. and, that's, and that's why when I see these comments and you brought him up, Grumpy, I said, it's just more the same. He's not going to change what he's what his ideology is. He never has in the 20 some odd plus years of coaching. And I'm going to say it's it's more it's more likely for him to find his way out of the league for a, a short moment than for him to say, oh, I, I think maybe there's something flawed with my ideology right now with the way the team structured his that structure can work. It, you just have to have the right pieces, and, and we're now on guys who are just older. We don't have the ability to play where we've got to fight for every inch on the ice. The guys, you know, as you get 30s and your 30s, you just can't do a game in and game out. And that's the majority of our team. Uh, I want to ask team. you a question. Other than, by the way, Forsberg had a good relationship with Trotz, just so you know. But I think Trotz was not was a younger coach back then too, and he wasn't as harsh. I think he was a little bit more open then. He had a good relationship with Forsberg. So would Forsberg come here and play for him? I believe he would. But 
uh, here's the question. I mean, if we get into the if, if there's a refusal to change and Barzell wants this change, who do you think wins that battle with Lou and the ownership? I would like to think Barry. I'd like to think Matt Barzell. I'm sorry. Drop. Who do you think wins that? Yeah, I think Matt Barzell wins too. Let's say, see here. If I'm if I'm ownership, you know what I'm doing right now. I'm sniffing around Florida. I'm sniffing around Carolina. I'm sniffing around Tampa Bay. I'm sniffing around Colorado. I'm looking for a young executive who's maybe an assistant GM or a guy who's a assistant director of player personnel, and I'm bringing him into the Islanders organization, and I'm training him for the new GM job. Because how many, realistically, how many years do you think Barry has left? I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Lou has left. Two, three, tops? I don't want Fredo getting named as GM in a couple of years. That's he my concern. Right? He can't be, right? There's no way Chris Limerillo can be labeled as general manager, right? No way. Right? Well, that's hard to know. And here's why I say that. Do I think Lou wants him groomed for the job? The answer is yes. But it doesn't mean that Malkin's going to want that. Because at the end of the day, Malkin pays everybody's salaries. And Malkin wants these suites filled. Malkin wants these seats filled. And, and, if, and if he thinks, you know, Lou, thank you for your six or seven years. I appreciate that you changed the culture. You did all this for us. But I want to go in a little bit of a different direction. I don't want to hire your son. Lou wouldn't even know that, by the way. Lou would not know that because Malkin wouldn't tell Lou that. He wouldn't. Malkin's the big guy. He's the boss. So, you know, I, do I think Lou is gone in two to three more years? 100%. Totally. He, and what is he, 80 now? I 79. Mean, 79. Okay. I mean, so wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you want to bring somebody with a, Brando, but smaller now wouldn't, but wouldn't you want to bring somebody with a fresh perspective on how the NHL is actually played in today's game into the system to groom him? I would. Yes. But I mean, I, I, I specifically wanted them to bring Tom Fitzgerald in for grooming. I've always, I like Fitzy. Um, he was with the devils, right? He was, but he was more absolutely open. not. He was I don't want anybody from that loser franchise. No, <laughs> he was a loser Islander forward, a loser GM and coach for the Devils. No way. Sorry. So you you blocked out those two shorthanded goals against Pittsburgh in game. I absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> oh my God! I, I remember mean, most nights. Let me just say it to you that way. And and what we'll do because we want to be respectful of Coach Tommy B's time. He said we got about two hours today. I want to bring up something that happened recently in the league. Uh, what would you say it happened last night? I think it was Brad Marchant uh, happened to pop his little name back up into uh, back up into the the headlines. What a shock! Um, we'll show you first what caused this outlash. And then we'll show you what the outlash was. So we'll ask you, is this justified? Behind, let's now this was happened here, I believe, in the second period. Tristan Yari wanted to go ahead, or Jari, um, he wanted to go ahead and give a puck to to a Bruins fan. Brad Marchand said, No, not my house. He slaps it away and they're jawing a little bit back and forth. And I mean, you Are can you tell sure? him showing something. Oh shit. I I did it again, Grumpy. I apologize. I forget that sometimes it doesn't pop it up on stream immediately. There it is. But Tristan Yari wants to go ahead and throw a puck up the Bruins to (laughs) to some Bruins. (laughs) He slaps it out of there. And you can tell Marchant's not happy. Um, You know, he's kind of pitching a little bit of an attitude. Um, And he wants to go ahead and mix it up. 
Yeah, I was about to say, this guy, you want to talk about a spoiled little kid. Marshawn, I think, is a good example. Now, I'll let you watch what happened. Now, this is the longest suspension that Brad Marshawn is ever going to serve or has served so far in his NHL career. He is going to be suspended for six games for what you're about to see right now. I'm about to pull it up on screen here. Oh, so they did announce the suspension? Yep, six games. Six games. That happened when we were on here. And this is listed as a high-sticking. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Watching it again, I'm not saying it's right, but – I've seen crazier shit happen in games. Okay, from a, from the other angle, um, uh, Jari kind of did a little soccer flop. By the okay, way. yeah, he punch. He shouldn't punch a guy who's not paying attention like that. And Marshant looks unhinged. Well, okay, he he swings at him again. I don't get that. I don't get the anger and the and the need to want to fight this guy. But that's the stick, man. He used the stick on him up top. Yeah, he hits him with the stick the second time. The first one, just he throws a punch at him. They Honestly, the Penguins should have pummeled the living shit out of Brad Marchand. Crosby right there should have taken a stick and smacked it in the back of the head. I mean, what are you doing? You're letting him take a oh, whack at your goalie. Cindy's not hitting anybody ever. I know he's not. But I'm just saying, I'd like to see somebody show a little bit of guts. And he gets he gets hit with the stick there afterwards. I mean, where is the freaking aggression out of the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins? What yeah. the hell? You're okay, letting they, only get oh, smacked and, that, and that's why they won't win a cup this year, by the way, because they don't stand up for each other. But look who they had out there. That's that's their number one scoring line and defense. Don't care. They're don't not the, care. I'm just saying they're not the aggressive, they're not the aggressive aggression line. They're not. If Matt Barzell is out there, he would stick up for the goalie. Cindy is not Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell would have jumped him. Average would have jumped him. I think he didn't really make contact with the stick. I think it had more to do with intent. I mean, what what is Russ doing him? there? If we would have had our what second is Russ line doing out there. there? How is Russ not attacking him after that? I'm what is he doing? That's what I was saying. I don't get that. I mean, he, he didn't hit him, but I'm like, this this type of lack of sticking up for your goalie and your teammate is something you, <laughs> I – I've never seen before. I would have been I would have been flying over that linesman. If our second line was on the ice, that's exactly what it would have looked oh, like. Oh BS. Absolutely. Brock, Brock Nelson's not getting involved in a fight. Josh Bailey, really? that softy piece of shit, <laughs> Mr. Softy Ice Cream. He's not getting in a fight. Maybe Bavillier. Bavillier's the rust on that line. I've actually seen Bailey fight and stick up for his teammates before. So actually I think Yeah, he was it fifty actually... years? I mean, what was it ten years ago? He, he gets a he hits him right there on the chin too. He tries okay. to hit him and get that. Okay. Boom. If you look at the other angle, he takes a little a little floppy dop. I'm just saying. I've seen it from the other angle. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm just he was hit. He shouldn't I, be hit. I don't care. It, 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 the guy. He deserves a suspension. I'm not saying. Put, your, put your poll up. Put your poll up. Who's a bigger? You know what? Wilson or Marchant? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Really? You think Marchant's a bigger piece of shit than Wilson? is a cheap shot artist. He slew foots guys. He's a filthy little bastard. He I got licks no their idea. faces. Yeah, he's he's disgusting. He's an animal. But he's an animal. <laughs> let's be honest, what he is, he's an animal. But when you see Tom Wilson complete, I mean, Tom, I don't know, man. Tom Wilson has had a lot of those hits that I mean, oh, my feeling. I like this is why I call I call Bettman out for being a sham. He's a sham. He's a sham. I I gotta watch Ross Johnston get a suspension. When he had a totally clean record, just because he's he's a good fighter, by the way, and that people are scared of him. And I watch this guy get away with this crap all the time, and the other guy, and yeah. both of them should have should have learned with forty game suspensions that you're not getting away with this crap. That Beckham okay. is a sham artist. Why? Why, Tommy? I'm going to tell you why. Talent. That's right. Brad Marchant, Tom Wilson put butts in seats. 
They also can play hockey. Yeah, You're not going to hamstring a team. Uh, here's the thing. And Marshawn is a repeat offender multiple times. For sure. He was lucky to get away with six games. Now, here's something I wanted to mention. I know it's going to be – I'm going to say something. Boston, Rask retired today. The hip yep. injury was too much for him to overcome. Yeah. Uh, Bergeron is going to be out for a considerable amount of time. He got a concussion last night. Marshawn's down for six games. The Islanders can make up some ground right here. They can. Look they really you. can. That said, we're the Islanders, and, well, we've seen the <laughs> roster, so we're not doing anything. But I'm just saying, you know, we're only like 25 points behind Boston right now, <laughs> but maybe we can make some of that difference up. You know what really irks me about watching stuff like that and stuff that Tom Wilson did? Tell me if they would have pulled that crap in the 80s and or even the early 90s. No way. No way. They okay. would have been, been taken off on stretches. You didn't even need to police the game back then because the players policed themselves. And people, we don't want goons. We don't want fighting. You know what? Yes, there was fighting in the league. But you know what? There was no cheap shotting. And that's where people get hurt. The cheap shot board hits. That stuff didn't happen back then because there was right. retribution immediately. Instantly. Your best – you never saw Ken Lindsman, right? He would do that shit only because he had the goon squad backing up for him. But it stopped after a while, right? Bobby Clark, too. Bobby Clark, too. And that's – you know, and then – but other teams said, you know what? Screw it. They started getting tough, and that stuff ended. That stuff just ended. You don't see the guys slew-footing guys in corners or boarding them from behind. You never saw that in the older days, ever. Because you hit somebody, you're getting hit back. Yeah, it's not like that in today's NHL. He doesn't even have to answer for what he did. That, I mean, that, that's not the NHL I knew. You had to answer for what you did. Yep. If, yep. if he would never, that guy would never try that. They would rip that big nose right off his face. He'd never get away with it. They flatten that thing. Oh, it's already flat. Oh man, yeah, I, I saw, I saw that. And again, like, do you get a sell job? Yeah, for certain, Tristan Yar gets hit, and he locks his see, head to the direction to where other he angles. He definitely took a little diverini. He, he did, but you can't. His thing, you can't punch the goalie in the head. I think it had he more to do with the intent. If he didn't try to go at him and try to swing his stick at him again, I think you'd be okay. I mean, this is this is it, right? I mean, you're all right. Look, he gets punched. I don't know anybody who gets punched and then immediately flails their head back to where they were punched and falls down. That's not how that usually goes. If he, you know what? If he it's had done lines. that against the Islanders, they might have won the series. I didn't see him go down once. <laughs> no, it was the high glove side that stopped him, Grumpy. Yeah, That's yeah. where he struggled. Oh my goodness! Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think we all are in agreement there that that changes need to be made to this team, and and they will be made. Um, you know how severe are the changes, and you know how in depth are they going to be? Is kind of where we differ, um, and kind of the future going forward. I, I I still think that you know Barry Trotz is going to be hard to have him incorporate more of an offensive mind here going forward. And if he were to incorporate that ideology, I think it'd be fantastic for the team. I think I, if, but I just don't think it'd happen. What, Grumpy? Yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing. Has he shown through his 20-whatever years of coaching that, yes, I'm going to let one line do whatever the hell it wants out there. Yes, score, score. We don't care about defense. But everyone else, he's just never done that. He's never done it. I mean, even in Washington, the only reason they won that last year, because let's be honest, he underachieved. He got beat by Pittsburgh every year in the playoffs. They were president trophy winners before he came in. He was going to be the final piece to bring them structure. It wasn't until the last year they knew he wasn't coming back that he started playing the young guys. 
It was his last year there, the second half of the season. That's when they took off, no. and that's and that's true. That's when they took yeah. off, and the fact that they played a an expansion team in the finals. I mean, oh, but yeah. Ovechkin played a little bit more defensively that last year, but it's he is what he is. He's a one trick pony, and I like Barry Trotz. That's he's a good my point. He's a regular. He's a regular. He's a really good regular season coach. I just don't think he's a playoff coach. That's all. That's my point. Is saying you know you lay it on the line for him at the end of the season. You're going to have to make the switch, or 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 you're going to pay the price for it. If you want to stay here, you're going to do it. And if you don't do it, I'll watch you fail and fire you. See, I just I said if you can't agree to it, you're gone now. See, that's that was my thing. I'm a little bit like I said. I'm a little bit more. Uh, Straightforward, shall we? Well, even even, even the Capitals, you know, basically said to him, uh, "All right, this is your last, this is your last year, man." So you know, so he he loosened up a little bit. Yeah, they won a cup. That's yeah. how close his system is to winning a cup. You just got to loosen up a little bit, just a little bit. Trust your top players. Yeah, we don't have the players like Washington had, though. Oh, we don't have. No, I mean, you know, Vetchkins come once in a lifetime. I mean. Right. We I mean, don't have your John Carlson's. I mean, maybe Actually. we can hope, maybe we can dream that that Noah Dobson can grow into a John Carlson. Your Nick Backstrom's is right. I mean, that that team is that team Kuznetsov. is loaded. Oh, she. I don't I mean, know. They, you know, they had they have they had great front line players, and there's no argument. And and they got they got a hot goalie in the playoffs that year, which is one of the gr- interesting moves of all time. Because if you remember, he started Grubauer. For yep. the first two games. Yep. And they fell, they lost the first two games and he put Holtby back in and Holtby just was insane for the rest of the playoffs. And he's been a good goalie, a really, a, I mean, he was good in the regular season, but always shrunk in the postseason, but he's been much better. Well, I know he's bouncing around the league now, but he's performed everywhere he's been. So, he, he, he certainly has. Yeah. Brain Holtby, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, before we wrap things up today, I want to I want to give you a chance to do your sign offs, both co- Coach Tommy B and you, Grumpy Old Man, because I know we've got the Islanders game upcoming in less than thirty minutes. And thank you again, Coach Tommy B, for coming on. But Tommy B, I want you to, to tell us when the next time you've got Coach Baffy's corner on, and and to plug yourself also here. Oh, thank you very much. I'm actually uh, first of all, I, I love coming on with you guys. You know that, so it's a pleasure every couple months to come on and talk hockey with you and, you know, make a few jokes and have a really good time. I really do enjoy it on you guys. Both of you do a great job and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Cause uh, I, you know, that I'm a fan. I watch it when I'm not on the show with you. I'm always watching your show, but, um, for Coach have Baffy's you corner, any of our merchandise from the merchandise store, Tommy, and why I'm not gonna have to talk to you and your, your man over there, your man, TJ over there. He's the merchandise guy, right? The Bavarian events. So, um, my next show, I'm actually going to do a Sunday show because it is Super Bowl Sunday. That's so right. I'm going to do a Super Bowl. I'm going to do a show from one to about two thirty this Sunday. And I'm going to do my hockey stuff, and then I'm going to do some football, which I don't do all that often. And I'm going to give my little Super Bowl prediction and maybe some prop predictions and things like that because I'm very big on those prop bets for the Super Bowl. I enjoy that. So I'm going to do that this Sunday from about one to two thirty. Uh, I'll be live, and you guys are of course welcome to. Uh, Come in and give me your, your Super Bowl predictions if you like. Well, give us give us at least who you're leaning towards, Tommy B. I'm not going to tell us to give everything away, but who do you have this? Yeah, time? who are you leaning towards, Tommy? Who are you, you leaning, leaning towards? towards? Um, I know there's a lot of moving and shaking. Let's just say um, I have an affinity to I have an affinity for young, talented quarterbacks. Well, there it is. Tom it's Brady. Then. He's rooting for Tom Brady. Probably wishes he was. Never player. say never. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I'm going to tell the Islander fans right now. 
Tom Brady said, what was it yesterday? They asked him on an interview and about coming back. He said, never say never. So though it doesn't look good for us, and we're probably not going to make the playoffs, and I think we all believe that, we still have 43 games left. So you know what? You never, never, never know. Maybe something happens and all of a sudden they start playing well. Maybe they needed to – maybe there's all-star break. They clear their heads and they just give it everything they got. So I'm saying never say never. Don't give up just yet. Give it another 15 games before you make that choice. So other than that, it's been, again, it's been great being on the show with both of you gentlemen. And uh, I always wish you health, happiness, and hopefully success for our Islanders. Well, thank you again, Tom. We always love having you on. We'll have you on again here too. Sorokin going to be starting tonight for the Islanders. We'll wait for the rest of the lineups here. You'll be in tune. Um, but uh, And thank you, Coach Tom B., for coming on. And Grumpy. Now, isn't there something usually you say before we wrap? Yeah, but there's up? a comment that I want to see you put up. That I, it was put up by Dcut at 10:02 p.m. Um, it says fire TJ and hire Dcut. I did. I showed that one, Grumpy. We Not showed very all the long. today. Not very long. <laughs> I didn't show it long enough today. In lieu of we had guests on Grumpy, we weren't going to be able to read the comments, and I said I that. Just, I just want to make sure you put that one up. I the did. People, the people have spoken is all I'm saying. <laughs> The people, the person has spoken, grumpy old man. Okay. You know, we yes. got a few more. But yes, there's usually something you say before at the end of every podcast. That is correct. I just want to say love and laughter to everyone who listens. And even those who don't, from TJ and the grumpy old man, we do it all for you, honestly. Yep. And for certain, again, Grumpy and I just do this. We're just two Islander fans that like talking about the sport, like talking about our team and how, you know, what type of ideology we should take going forward. And, and you know, where we where we see things that we love and where we see things that eh, we kind of can pick a bone with. But thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Um, again, we'll be going live uh, this Saturday. I can't remember if there's a game. Grumpy, is there a game this Saturday? Yeah. There's Friday against Edmonton and then uh, Saturday against Calgary, I believe. Yep. We'll be going pregame before the Calgary game. That's a 10 o'clock game against yep. Calgary, too. So we'll be doing pregame on that. So we're, we're not over here podcasting until 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, but we'll be back live this Saturday here, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, and until then, uh, we'll see you guys. I don't know, Grumpy. I don't know how we we sign things off. It's a little different today. I don't know. We're doing a pregame. Get ready for your Islanders action. I don't know, bro. But Obviously thank you. Not. Maybe but you should prepare for the podcast. <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you here this Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's go, Islanders. Big game against the Vancouver Canucks this evening.